He was the one man I trusted. The only man. My heart leapt as I watched him ride near. I could barely wait to feel the warmth of his touch. Earlier this week, we talked about one of the darker and more infamous productions in cinema history. Werner Herzog's Fitzcarraldo, a shoot where multiple people died around the set, and a tribal war broke out in the Peruvian jungle. Tonight, we're going to talk about a much more light and silly film, Robert Zemeckis' Romancing the Stone, an adventure rom-com starring Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas, and Danny DeVito. Although the film takes place in Colombia, where Kathleen Turner's romantic but tragically single novelist Joan Wilder has to rescue her sister from kidnappers, shooting happened much closer to Hollywood in Veracruz, Mexico. As it was a location shoot, there were incidents, such as an animal trainer working with the kidnappers Ira and Ralph's alligators who ended up losing a hand. Thank you. And a mudslide, which the camera crew managed to dodge, but some crew members had to be pulled out of. And it rained, and the fourth day we we're very lucky. We had a, a pretty major mudslide, and we had just moved, just moved our camera about 15 feet down, and half the hill had come down. Oh my you know, dear. enormous rock. It would have been a real disaster. As it was, Kathleen uh, got caught under it. A lot of people got caught up to their their waist, and a couple people got buried. But nothing like the violence and disease-filled shoot of Fitzcarraldo. Diane Thomas, who wrote *Romancing the Stone*, was a waitress at the Coral Beach Cantina. She was waitressing in Malibu as a screenplay caught the attention of several studios, with Columbia Pictures buying it and then 20th Century Fox making the actual film. Although Diane Thomas had worked on the screenplay starting in 1978, by the time she got it sold, Indiana Jones had come out. In fact, Temple of Doom and Romancing the Stone both opened in 1984. The fast-paced action, comedy, and adventure serial-like story reminded many critics of Indiana Jones. Thomas's career was extremely short-lived, and she was hired by Steven Spielberg after Romancing the Stone became popular in theaters to work on the film Always. The film will be released in 1989, but by then, Diane Thomas had been dead for four years, killed in a car accident a year after Romancing the Stone came out. And as a gift to her, I bought her a Porsche, bought her a new Porsche car. The difficult thing was the last time that I saw Diane was she came over to show me the new car that I got her, you know, and um, and I think it was three weeks later she got killed in the Porsche. She had a a boyfriend at the time, I think it was an ex stunt man who was actually he was actually driving, but she always kind of liked those kind of Jack Colton characters in real life, and unfortunately had an accident down on Pacific Coast Highway, and uh, we lost her much too young. Michael Douglas was both the male lead of the film and the producer. Although many other actors, including Sylvester Stallone, Burt Reynolds, Clint Eastwood, and Paul Newman had been considered. Douglas by then had mostly done TV appearances, small movie appearances, but was best known as the prestigious producer of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which he had purchased from his father, the screen legend Kirk Douglas. Kathleen Turner, who was known at the time for films like Body Heat as a hard and sultry sex symbol, her deep voice and gorgeous looks made her perfect for neo-noir type roles, which is the opposite of the innocent, lonely, and kind of pathetic Joan Wilder, who excels at writing erotic novels but has no love life of her own. 
She lobbied hard to show she had a softer side for this role. Romancing the Stone combines the serial adventure fun of Indiana Jones with elements of earlier films like The Maltese Falcon. The 80s were, of course, a great time for adventure films aimed at younger audiences for movies like The NeverEnding Story and Princess Bride to the Goonies. Romancing the Stone, although PG, was aimed at an older audience and leans heavily on the classic rom-com tropes while also providing a big dose of adventure with a treasure map, a search for a buried stone, and car chases. Romancing the Stone was not expected to do well. After Fox executives saw an initial cut of the movie, they fired Robert Zemeckis from Cocoon, the next project he was set to work on, which he had developed himself. However, upon the release, Romancing the Stone got largely positive reviews from critics and netted $115 million at the box office. This allowed Zemeckis to make his long-awaited screenplay Back to the Future. These were Italian. Now they're practical. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps me keep the show running, which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Movie Night Extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. We also have a new Discord and a Letterboxd HQ account. So those are two more places to follow along with us. Links are in the description. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, NeutronFriends.Bandcamp.com. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends has a new split LP with Lung, Adult Prom, available now on Bandcamp. J. Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Christina Oaks, this Barbie is streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics, Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Cosmopolitics. Send her some subs on Twitch. I, of course, am your romance novel dream cowboy and podcast host, Boris Miller. Look at those snappers, will ya? Look at him. Look at him. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, I, I, I'm glad that we threw this one on here because we have two, like, super heavy, crazy <laughs> yeah. films. And then it's like, okay, and then the equivalent of, of, of uh, Chunky Monkey. Right. <laughs> I want. I want to say it's one of the most. It's one of the most singularly crazy journeys of, of all time. Uh, Robert Zemeckis going from he only made two movies before this. Both of them were commercial failures. Yeah. Um And like you know, they were like kind of student film kind of things. Michael Douglas plucked him out of basically obscurity to make this because he's the producer on it. So he goes from this. Then they watch the actual test run of this at Fox. Um, and, the and they're like, it's going to be a huge bomb. Yeah, the, the, the <laughs> executives go, yeah, this is going to fail horribly because no one's making, you know, this is the first really like adult oriented, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, of the 80s, like action kind of adventure movie. So they're watching it on the big screen. They go, yeah, we're firing you from Cocoon. The next right. project that he, was in development that he actually like put his heart and soul into developing it. And then once it do, did well, they went, we want to hire you for something else. What else you got? He goes, well, I, well, got I have this a little, little thing movie. called Back to Back the to Future. The future. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wrote, and like, you know, his, his previous movies, I don't know about the first two, but like, he obviously didn't write this one, you know, like, yeah. So he's yeah. like, well, I wrote and I want to direct this movie Back to the Future. 
Well, and this movie, uh, the uh, I forget his name, but the the guy did the the um, some of the sound work on it. Like it started that relationship too that he that, like stayed with yeah. him for like oh, Alan Silvestri. Uh, Silvestri, thank you. I, I couldn't think of that guy's name right now. I'm, yeah, no, Alan Silvestri. Right this uh, was actually he wasn't even supposed to do the final score. This was just like a work right score. Uh, so uh, which is the craziest part about the whole thing, and it's it's it kind of like like. I would not like like let me put it to this way. If you see me cruising around, this is not the kind of music I'd be listening to. But it works in this. Yeah. Like, is, is Andy in an '80s adventure movie? Because <laughs> that's what it sounds like. I tried to find something like '80s adventure for the intro. I think I did a. There's like, like a lot of <laughs> yeah. There's a certain style of synth. I should know. I've I've had to emulate it. Uh, there's so much slapping bass. Like the bass is just slapping yes. like it ain't nothing. Uh, and like there's flutes usually. <laughs> For reasons unknown, like it, it's such a, but we when we think of those kinds of tropes, this is one of those movies that kind of helped define that, it, yeah. which is funny because it's almost entirely by accident. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I put it in the I put it the, in the intro, but um, like Temple of Doom came out the same year. Right, and, and so yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that the script for this was written before Raiders came out. Yeah, yeah, it just it sat around like a ripoff. Right, exactly, and every that's what yeah. everyone thought. They're like, oh, it's just a ripoff of Raiders, which it, it is I not. Mean, it was. It was even right. written before Raiders was written, you know, to, if you, you know, like look at the five years. <laughs> yeah. Then, well, well it was written by, a year before Raiders was written, which it was 79, but, you know, right. it didn't come out until 81. So written by written by a woman whose life kind of reflects the Joan Wilder life. Right. Like she, she was kind of working this like dead end job at a restaurant still while she was writing the script. Um, she put she put out the script. She had an agent, I guess. So she was well known enough to have an agent, but not well known enough to uh to, you well, know i mean i mean you gotta have an agent back then that, that's how yeah. people saw the scripts like like so, you know it's, so this it's not script how... though get, got into a bidding war all of the big studios bidding a right. shitload of money on the script because they were like this script is really good and uh it ended up being bought by columbia pictures and then bought from them by 20 21st century fox or 20th century fox at the time and like then michael douglas signing on as a producer because michael douglas was not an actor at this point like right that's the craziest right. that's the craziest thing right like so he was more interested in producing this than, than anything yeah and the alternate casting like the people they tried to get this are crazy and i don't want to steal christina's bit because that's kind of christina's bit but like yeah. it but is Earth reynolds and paul <laughs> newman like I just don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't really see. It. I feel like Paul Newman would be like, "That's that's what that would have done in the '50s," but right, yeah, exactly. Christopher Reeve, like, like it's just too clean cut for this. Yeah, and yeah. this is post Superman, Christopher Reeve. Too. Yes, so yeah, like, y'all have yeah, the yeah. association of like but still way before the the accident. Well, yeah, yeah, but he, that that movie, I mean, that movie was huge. So it'd be like, oh, Superman's running around the jungle is what it would have been. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but but like he's just not the right type. And you I, got I love Superman, Chris and he's running around the jungle, and there's a hot broad. Well, and Michael Douglas at the time known for uh, being on TV, right? Like just just for TV roles. Besides, you know, being the producer yeah. of Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but he only really played cops. He played judges, and it's actually like his friends that were telling him, like, "Hey, you should you should take this role in this movie you're producing because like." You know, like all you've done are like these serious, kind of heavy, like uh, you know, cop shows. He runs in, yeah. and he's like the the cop. And they're like, you should do something. You should enjoy yourself for once, and not just be like the TV cop slash you know producer of the movie about the fucking lobotomy and cock there. <laughs> but he's also a legacy, right? Like he's Kirk Douglas's son. Yeah. So it's like yeah. he, you know, in in ways that have not been seen certainly since the Coppolas, <laughs> wants to define himself on his own terms, and. Yeah. But it's just funny that like 
just couldn't find the right person to do this and ended up ended up just doing it himself. It ended up being like huge for his, for his career and kind of like basically giving him uh, a carte blanche to do whatever the hell he wants for uh, like at least 10 years. And, and even then kind of a baseline respect yeah. to people like, I don't know why we respect this guy, but we do. Yeah, yeah. So this, this is this is a, this is from the Today Show a couple of years ago, um, or, or People Magazine, not not people. This is from People Magazine, I guess, a couple of weeks, years ago when he was doing that um, Kaminsky Method show. I never saw that. Yeah, yeah I, I, didn't, I know I didn't that really that's, either. It's very he, well regarded by critics, though. I know that. he got a uh, Kathleen Turner to play his ex-wife on that. I guess that rocks. Uh, I love that for mm-hmm. for a romancing the stone kind of reunion. So they were talking about that on People or whatever the early 80s, Michael was an Oscar-winning producer looking to cast the female lead in his latest project, Romancing the Stone. While Kathleen was one of Hollywood's hottest actresses, hoping to build on the success of her breakout film, Body Heat. I first became really aware of Kathleen from the studio head who you rented an apartment near him and you borrowed some sugar or something. Huh, yeah. And there was a guy and he ran Fox at the time of production yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can't I think it was a police. Classic bit, oh, by the way. Hey, can I borrow some sugar, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Head of Fox? But remember, and he kept him. saying we were trying to figure out who would be right to cast the part. Mm-hmm. And, then, and, then, and then, of course, I knew Body Heat. I'm a married woman. Meaning what? Meaning I'm not looking for company. And you should have said I'm a happily married woman. That's my business. Every man what? knew Body Heat. How happy I am. <laughs> I don't know what, what Kathleen's impressions might have been about uh, well i guess all i knew that heard about me of san francisco there you go richie get on out here there's cops I rest my case. do i look like a cop in this neighborhood you better believe it so we met first we met in a restaurant i think we, we had lunch, lunch together in a restaurant it was a, it was a sort of in between it wasn't like an office meeting where I would no, be no, in the no, door no, audition. No, no, it was more like um, a friendly lunch or something. Yeah, I was comfortable with him. You know, I didn't feel um, objectified, which was very important to me. But you're saying where we were at, I came out of television, you know, really yeah. did this television series, Streets of San Francisco, and then produced Cuckoo's Nest, which was a big success and so uh, was an academy award-winning producer but as an actor in feature films no i was persona non grata because in those days television more than everything was separated separated yeah. television was separated from feature films so that was a you know kind of a big jump for me we were i mean i wasn't initially thinking of casting myself in the role uh i was looking at other other people yeah yeah, yeah. And then other people, uh, before you were cast, obviously, other people turned the part down. So they said, well, maybe, you know, maybe. maybe I, you know. <laughs> Do something here. And what you learned was never to produce and star in the same movie again. That's the truth. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? Half a year's work just flew south for the winter, all right? My Jeep is totaled. In about five minutes, everything I own in the world is going to be wet. So can you lighten up, please? I really don't have the time. I'll pay you. I, I'll tell you, I, I don't know when you ever slept. I mean, truly, because we would shoot, you know, 14 hour days at least. And then he'd be up at four, making sure that the gravel trucks got in to lay the road so that we could shoot, 
you know, what Zemeckis wanted in the location the next day because the road had been washed out every day. Yeah. Right. So I, I honestly, I don't know when he, when he managed to sleep at all. I guess the, um, the crux was when I went down for our first scouting location with the director, Robert Zemeckis to uh, Mexico and our wonderful little script written by, by Diane, Diane, uh, Diane Thomas. And, um, you know, she's sort of written, you know, the, you, you always get worried about scripts that say like Rome burns, yeah. you know, two word, two little words, which mean millions yes. in, in months. <laughs> and, um, amongst many in the, in the script, there was the mudslide. Yeah. You as we started putting this all together and realized this was going to be a much more difficult shoot um, than, it, than we anticipated much more, uh, I ultimately became more and more grateful that we had Kathleen Turner. <laughs> besides being a wonderful actress, Kathleen also understands the problems of production and had the patience to deal with her co-star who was also producing the movie but it was exciting it was fun i got seven stitches out of the out of the experience <laughs> which was fine none of them on the face so yeah the first few were from the airplane um because it was raining of course and they they very realistically I broke open the back of those, oh, there are all these jagged edges. Yeah. Is anybody else in there? No. That rocks. Hmm. Yeah, that yeah. dancing scene, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but it was, uh, there wasn't in the script. And uh, Kathleen Turner and, and Michael Douglas were just dancing with each other uh, at like a, a celebration that, uh, you know, where they were filming at. And so uh, Robert Zemeckis just grabs a camera and just starts filming them. Yeah. And that, that whole scene was just completely improvised like that. It was just them dancing. Which is crazy because so I feel like you don't get, you don't buy their story without that to a certain yeah. extent, right? It seems rushed. So it's funny mm -hmm. that like, well, what, what would have been? And then there's also Danny DeVito, like, who gets busted trying to get the map, but like that woman thinks he's perving and like, you know, which is hilarious. And he, anytime Danny DeVito is on screen on here is fantastic. Like he's great. Apparently they got this close to actually like, banging on set though like uh she said she said that they like almost fell in, she said they they were like this close to falling which is always what that means you know what i mean like yeah we, yeah we almost fell in love and then uh michael douglas's ex-wife jumped on a plane flew out to mexico confronted <laughs> kathleen and was like i i still love my ex-husband uh you better like you better please wow. like stay she did the jolene she did the jolene her. yeah she jolene her yeah yeah wow. so so she ended up saying, "All right, like she said, she said she was like this close to being like in love with Michael Douglas, but she pulled back because she didn't want to hurt the." Well, it works for the movie though, because I mean, the whole thing, yeah. like ultimately, it is an adventure movie, but it's uh, you know, I I I coined the term it, that it's classic mom and dad cinema, right? Meaning that like yeah. this is this is one for the parents to watch, which is how I first saw it, and it makes sense, right? Because you think about so so at this point, this is Kathleen Turner's third full length so body heat's first one which as i yeah. as i intimated during the clip every dude remembers uh and then she was in a the steve martin movie man with two brains and then it's this and like she was kind of like they tried to kind of typecast her early as like just the sexy girl right and that's it yeah. 
Yeah. Which is well, funny. Be- the figure Sue got married as well. Well, I, that's the next sentence I had was was that like, then you have somebody like Priestie's Honor and you have Peggy Sue got married and I unfortunately the ill-fated sequel to this too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so on that like, oh no, she's got range. Meaning that I don't think you get, without the partnership here with Zemeckis and without these uh, abilities for her to actually act, I don't think that she, that she ever would necessarily be cast as uh, the voice for Jessica Rabbit. Which yeah. of course ended up being the biggest thing she ever did, which is hilarious because it's yeah. you know basically a cartoon. And 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 for a certain generations, she's known as Chandler Bing's drag queen father on Friends, which which is funny because uh, the her her publicist in this the woman that plays Elaine is also on Friends as Ross and Rachel's mom. I'll take your word for it. I've never seen it, but was I had Street- to watch it. That was, my grandma forced me to watch every episode of Friends. Every every when, I, when she would like uh, have us over to Long Island, she'd be like, "All right, be quiet. Friends are on." So I've seen every episode. Was Streets of San Francisco a kind of a, a big deal for for any of y'all? Because maybe it was the fact that like it's from the Bay Area, and it's like, oh, a show in the Bay Area. Like it was. Yeah. Like, that's like your Dukes of Hazard. I was living in Georgia. <laughs> that Dukes of Hazard was huge. So, <laughs> but I, I like that in that clip it's pointed out that like we think of television movies almost interchangeably now right but like at this time it was like oh no if you're a tv star it wasn't assured that you'd be able to quote unquote make the jump to movies at all in fact it was kind of rare you you even see that um as far you know as far into the future as something like showgirls Mm -hmm. where uh verhoeven purposely cast a bunch of people who had been on like daytime television because he didn't want people that were like known as these uh movie stars Otherwise, you know, they would have ruined everything for. And, and there's been a lot of examples of people who are known for like a role on TV who are like, I don't want to be known as like this typecast role that I, like like a good example would be Dan Stevens from Down Abbey. Like people to this day are still asking him to apologize for leaving season three, even though it's been like 13 years or so. Um, but you know, he's doing like diverse stuff now. Uh, he's gonna yeah, be he's doing. Like, yeah, like he's doing like really good acting. He's gonna be doing a um a, a bit of a horror film coming out in a few months uh with the from the ready or not guys so i'm looking forward to that but kathleen's got range like she, like a lot oh, of she, people, absolutely like, yeah. she's like it's it's it everyone's like com- comparing her to like lauren bacall is is a is a good like yeah, absolutely. she was like gen x's lauren bacall if that actually that makes well, sense. they both have the they both have a smoky voice too mm-hmm. yeah yeah, top into Gen X, but I, I would um, agree with that. And, and also, so it's notable, too, that like when you consider what her role is here, it was completely against quote-unquote type, meaning that she yeah. was in two movies. But like everyone was like, whoa, that, that chick is hot. And then like, and yeah. she's so mousy, or mousy in that 80s way of just take your glasses off and shake your hair, and then suddenly you're hot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, it's like, you know, go on a mudslide, get dunked in water, et cetera, et cetera. But like, it's, it is funny that like, it, it was what opened up like uh, a world of roles for her, where it's like, oh no, she can actually act. Okay, cool. Yeah, which is and and she adorable. she lobbied for this movie very hard. Like once she knew that it was happening, and she knew you know uh, Michael Douglas was cast here because they did not they weren't sure that she was going to be the best like person for this because of that, right? They, like they wanted Deborah like, Winger, right? Terms of endearment, Tur- <laughs> which is like talk about okay, yeah, yeah, thing. she would be a better fit. Yeah, but like, huh? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, it's no Sylvester Stallone in the Michael Douglas role, which is the one that blows my mind. I think Andy, yeah. you dug that. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's like, yeah. I don't yeah, even know what that movie Sylvester is. Stallone turned it down to do Rhinestone, believe it or not. I believe it. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, that's, I, it's, it's mental. I'm, I'm Jack, I'm Jack Q. Colton. <laughs> yeah. 
But really, this Jesus show, like, you know, there, there are a lot of actresses who seem to, who people Hollywood perceives as one note. They're known for their looks. Sure. They're yeah. known for certain things. But then they show off their comedic talents or even their more dramatic talents. And it's like, oh, these people can actually, you know, do acting. They can do other things. Like, Salma Hayek's a great, like, recent like, ish example, you know? Yeah, it's, it's like, like oh, she's really funny. It's like yeah, she's been trying to do comedy for twenty years, dude. <laughs> yeah, look at someone. I mean, obviously, like Bill Hader, some of the you know SNL yeah, people. I mean, Chris sure. Wade could do drama. Uh, you know, like it's if Will Ferrell can you know do some serious stuff too. But like, you know, it it goes to show that you know you kind of do have to lean into your looks to get what you want. But the payoff is pretty swell when you once you yeah. are able to show people what you're made of. Well, her whole thing is she didn't like that she was objectified. And she's kind of she has kind of a rebellious nature, I think, in general, because like oh, sure. the, you know, the sultry, the sultry voice that she has, like, you know, the the deep kind of smoky voice, right? Like they told her like she had agents when she was working in like uh television or like you know, like modeling, like that kind of stuff. Like she had agents say, Hey, they're not gonna hire you with that deep voice. Like maybe yeah. get voice coaching lessons and, and bring kind of like voice. Grace Kelly. And instead of doing that, she started doing exercises to try to see if she could get the voice to go lower. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> and it made her very distinctive. That. And by the way, I, I admire that uh, response. She liked that she wasn't objectified for this because she had spent yeah. her whole career up to this point from body heat to, you know, being with, like with Steve Martin, like she's always in roles where she was objectified completely. Yeah, right, right. So she took yeah. this as like, hey, I can show people not only can I act, but I can be in kind of this role as like this kind of like loser-ish virgin lady <laughs> like, you know what I mean? like, the, like the girls who like the write fan fiction you know about twilight yeah. and one direction she's very good at it like, she's type yeah. the type of audience that would buy her books yeah you know and i like that the cat was an addition too like that yes. like uh which is which is great because obviously that's a, it's a trope now but like this one of the movies established that trope and it almost didn't wasn't in the it wasn't in the original yeah, yeah. because yeah. They, they had to replace the character yeah. Um, they, they had this male character that was at the beginning of it. That was her assistant that had feelings right. for her yeah, and yeah. she didn't have any feelings for him. And the whole thing just didn't work. So they replaced him with a cat and the, uh, the agent. <laughs> <laughs> but that cat jerk and type, let me tell you. <laughs> Look, I got bad news, kid. You're off the film and we're replacing you with a cat. <laughs> but let me tell you, this kitty can act. By the way, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't tell, um, the, so the crocodiles in this, right? At, oh, my, yeah. in multiple places they're listed as alligators, and like the I guess the trainer that they got that got his hand bitten was an alligator trainer, and I and maybe it's because he's working with crocodiles for the first time, or maybe they were alligators. I can't really tell from the thing because they they list them as both. This I feel that feels kind of racist, right, Uncle Alligator? Yeah. Look, look, don't <laughs> get me started. All I'm saying, <laughs> all I'm saying is that Gator can act. <laughs> if, you, if you look at that gator, that gator's the, leaving it all on the screen. But we've historically overcome many challenges. The 80s were a tough time for us. The cocaine flowed freely. Their snouts collapsed because of all the cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew th I knew this one crock. Oh, the whole bridge disappeared. It was, it was wild times. They uh, get uh they get deviated snout. <laughs> um, but they crocodilia. We used to not be represented. Then we were represented as savages. 
you remember do you remember there's a there was a drug that was going around on TV for a while that they were like talking about crocodile? I named that drug, kid. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) But so it must be crazy. The one guy, the one alligator crocodile trainer that got his hand bitten off on set. And then they have the scene where the guy gets his hand bitten off on set. Like, I wonder if that guy ever turned around and watched the movie and then was like, ah, come on. Like, (laughs) did you hear actually what happened to him? Like, because the gator grabs his hand, pulls him into the water and then starts spinning him. And they had like uh, somebody else had to jump into the water and pull him out. He was mouthing off. <laughs> <laughs> Douglas got slapped around a little bit too, but with the kind of wages he was paying, he deserved it. Yeah, his, he got slapped by a tail. <laughs> got slapped by more than that. If I had been on the set, well, because 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 <laughs> the scene where at the end where Thank he's you, grabbing Gator by the tail, he's really grabbing an, like a like a crocodile by the tail. Like that's that's not a, a fake, you know. Yeah. Like they didn't use a fake crocodile for that. So he had to run after the crocodile, and not let it get into the water. He actually had to like hold on to the tail the same way he does in the movie. You'd think that they could like have an because some of them were animatronic crocodiles. Yeah, they like, they do have. Uh, South America does have both crocodiles and alligators, but uh, for those that are not uh, states of the Cayman uh, genus, is uh, yeah, it's skinnier. They're more like the crocodiles are more uh, needle nose. Yeah, and alligators are wider, but they're all of the family Crocodilia. Well, the the Nile crocodiles, right? Like the ones that are in Africa, like they're. The, the nose is skinny as fuck. It's super skinny. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah. like a needle nose pliers. Uh, and they also have caimans down there. Which caimans and, and ones, all right. Do yeah. you want to go for the want to go for the uh, the the full Monty here and 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 give me the fourth one? I don't know what the fourth one is. Gavials and gavials oh, yeah. are wild looking because they get it's like they're all teeth. And I, I'm I'm saying that I'm not saying that like the other ones are not, but gavials are freaking wild looking. In fact, let me uh. Since we're going down this, I feel like we're doing freaking Discovery should be sponsoring us with the with we're going at this. But this this, this is what happens. Doing. This is what happens when your uh, when your local Australian gets sick and doesn't. Uh... <laughs> oh yeah. So, so that's that. what a gavial looks like. They they're really like if you think uh, uh, crocodiles are needle nose, the gavials are even more. Similar. Well, you you can see you can see just in that. I feel like the jump from uh, like the bony fish that you that they're still right. alive. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like the, the sawfish and stuff. Like you can see the jump from those kinds of fish to uh crocodiles on like a like like literally living fossils pretty much like, and it's one in south america is one of the only places where they both exist it's usually it's usually one or the other um just because they sort of evolved from uh differently in, in different modus operandi uh and things along those lines but it's it is funny that they're used interchangeably in a way that is so quintessentially 80s you almost expect to hear about quicksand next you know where it's, where it's <laughs> yeah. like Guys, this movie just has mudslides. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, Gavials. So, uh, but there's all the, there's all these like weird parallels between like shit that actually happened, right? Like, because the mudslide actually happened, and there's a mudslide right. in the script that was proceeding, so they had to go find a mudslide, I guess. That's like the, you know, and then actually got trapped in the mudslide. Um, then they have you know the guy that got his hand bitten off by a crocodile. That, you know, that was in the script too, like before that. Like so, like all the things that they're trying to make happen on screen. I mean, dancing, but that's just you know dancing. <laughs> anyway, but like all Terrible. these things that they, make, that they end up making on screen. Well, uh, like he was bit. Michael Douglas was like bitten by a snake, and Danny DeVito to suck the poison out. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy. Although that Michael Douglas that's that's not Mike Downs would do. <laughs> yeah, M- Michael Douglas says it's a fake story. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, all right, well, 
we'll get our top researchers on that. Yeah. I mean, he's the same guy who said you can get throat cancer through oral sex. So, oh my God. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. What an amazing moment in history. Yeah. Oh, nice. Dan DeVito rocks in this, by the way. Yes. Yeah. I don't think I, I know. Love him. He's, he's Wait, like, I forgot how great he is. This is only uh, 40 seconds from this, but I, this is my favorite story that I encountered from this. The scene in the phone booth where I called him a maricon. You know, I went down to Mexico. I didn't know uh, what a maricon was. At that time, I was playing with the violin. He's really dressed like Frank I used to keep here. it with me all the time. <laughs> and I was on the plane, and there were some guys sitting across from me, right? And I took it out, and I was just... You know, playing really quietly. And uh, I looked at the guy and I smiled. And his friend turned to him and he said, Maricon, right? And I didn't know what that meant. And then there was an American guy there. He says, the guy called you a Maricon. So I put it in the movie. She's coming right toward the phone booth. She's with some guy. How do I know? She likes guys. So do you, Maricon. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, Bob Hoskins was who they originally wanted. Yes, as Ralph. He, he and Danny DeVito do seem a little bit like almost interchangeable in some ways. Like until you hear Bob Hoskins speak as a regular human being, because yeah, you like actually, that, he, uh, he's British. I'm like, what? He's British and like super like Master Thespian. Like, not, like which yeah. is funny because he's always. I, I know, of course, <laughs> Roger Rabbit, but also the movie Mean Girl, uh, Mermaid with uh, with Cher and Winona Ryder. I'm like, oh, he's Luigi. like up, up north somewhere, and they're like, and then I heard him like actually do like an interview. I was like, what? You you're British? It's I was me. He's also the best Mario. Yeah, it's me, Mario. <laughs> Hello, Luigi. You want to jump down these pipes with me? <laughs> uh, yeah. It's kind of wild though that he did end up in Who Framed Roger Rabbit with Kathleen Turner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, and, now there's Zemeckis film. Yeah, it's all tied together, people. It's all connected. I, and and I, and I wonder if Zemeckis was like, look, we couldn't cast him in in this one. Maybe we could cast him in this one. You know, like it it's it is weird to think about uh, as far as careers go. Yeah, Douglas, like the biggest thing he was in before this that that was a movie was like the China Syndrome, which was not a big movie. Uh. But then after this. Like he got fatal attraction. He's in Wall Street. Like it's just it's it's just crazy. Like it's it's, it's just like on like a basic instinct, right? I mean, he's in that falling down. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I like I like the detail though that like he learned the lesson like not to produce and act in the same yeah the yeah. same movies from then on because it's like yeah that seems fucking terrible. Like unless you're unless you're like you know a like for, for a, not if a, you're in the jungle if you're on location maybe in yeah. a sound stage sure but yeah. like yeah someone tell margot robbie she needs to stop producing and acting in her films well well it's 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 the other thing that's like um it, it's a matter of like you know are you a producer or are you a producer right like, like if you're involved michael, involved, douglas, involved michael douglas was like a producer like and you don't think I say about that, that all the time kid all the time <laughs> But you don't you don't think about that in in terms of today's Michael Douglas, where it's like if, yeah. if he was going to produce something, he'd probably be producing it, right? Like he'd probably be like, oh, you know, I slapped the Michael Douglas, the Douglas family crest, on, on or maybe he'll just show up to a meeting and get some money for the production, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, like sure. Richard Dean Anderson was a producer of Stargate, but that's just because he'd show up to the meetings with the uh, with them and be like, yeah, I'm in Stargate, and then people would give him money. Right, right. It's to help with the, the funding and everything. But it is speaking, it, of, speaking of showing up and getting money, this show is sponsored by Yabiga. 
You know, it's uh, it's it's <laughs> it's a Balkan Rakia Laker. Here's here's our ad read. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by Yebiga, a Balkan Rakia spirit plum brandy that brings Serbia to the American shores in an authentic and appreciative way. Care of Billy Gould, basis for faith no more, and Rakia appreciator. Rakia is a traditional spirit enjoyed at weddings, funerals, and life events. However, more and more, it's being enjoyed everywhere on a night out with friends or as a casual drink. Get a bottle today in liquor stores and bars across America. Go to yabiga.com to see where it's available near you. I have a couple of pictures that are all at Dutch angles. Last time I was enjoying it with friends in, uh, in Texas. <laughs> One of them was really good. It's like really artsy. I'm like, yeah. I sent it to Billy. He's like, that's awesome. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's like, I was faded, dude. <laughs> I mean, I know we're talking about like Michael Douglas, but Dane DeVito had quite a career leading up to, you know, he did taxi right. and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. You know, he, he was pretty much everywhere. He was roommates with Michael Douglas. Yeah, yeah he, he was everywhere in the 80s and 90s. And, you know, you would think that, oh, you know, he had gone away. He never left. I mean, it's always sunny Philadelphia. He's been doing that show since 2005, six. Which well, is, yeah. Which so is, when Flew the Cuckoo's Nest is like seven. Oh, go ahead. 2006 is when that interview was. So he was okay. literally like in, in the process of, uh, of joining being, the like, cast. Frank, on, yeah. Yeah. So um, that's why he looks just like Frank Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. Well, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, which we've covered on this show. It's been a while, mm-hmm. but uh, that was 1975. Taxi is like 78 and runs like what? Five seasons, if I remember correctly. So that would like, yeah. takes he actually like- won an Emmy for, 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 for taxi and Rhea Perma won like four for cheers because he said oh, that right. when, with the, it's always sunny cast. They're like, Danny, did you, you won for sunny? He's like, no, nah, for taxi. Yeah, and and so eighty three is is when Taxi's finishing up, and this starts up like eighty four. But this is like this is the rare example where uh, you have two stars that are waiting to kind of be on a bigger stage for various reasons. Again, Michael Douglas had a hard time escaping the shadow of his father because his father was you know generationally the one before, like one of the great actors of his time. Yeah, and Kathleen Turner, as we mentioned, was was basically typecast as like the hot chick, right? But I. He really shines in this, like it's because he's funny, but in a way that's not like distracting necessarily, or any more distracting than anything else, anyway. Yeah, which makes him memorable. Like I remember as a kid, all I remembered was Danny DeVito. I'm like, oh, that guy's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he really is a scene stealer, like that. Like if like that's why a lot of people don't realize this, but it's always Sunny Philadelphia was going to get canceled with after its first season because it didn't do so well. Yeah, well, but, they needed a they needed a, a famous person to be in it. They were like, "Hey, yeah, they, they, they picked Dan, they found Dan DeVito, yeah. and it worked out. Yeah. Look, that show's renewed for four more seasons. I think it's it's never going to end." <laughs> well, oh, the thing the thing with uh, the thing with Danny DeVito and It's Always Sunny is his grandkids had somehow seen the first season of It's Always Sunny, like the first six episodes. They only did like a, a six episode run for the first. Yeah, season. Yeah, I was pretty sure. I was there for the yeah. very beginning, but it was it was not a long season. I remember that. And so they got like they got some like buzz, and his grandkids were both like, "Hey, like this show is really good. You should do this. Like this is really funny." So he decided to do it to like you know to like help his grand like to, whatever to like. So his grandkids would think he was cool, I guess. Like, can I t- can I tell you if you if you go to Letterboxd and look up films starring Danny DeVito and go by average rating, the fourth highest one is The Nightman Cometh Live. <laughs> it's like one flew over the cuckoo's nest, The Nightman Cometh, and then L.A. Confidential. <laughs> Which I get the troll, don't get do the voice. Wait, what? <laughs> That rules. National treasure. Oh, God, so great. I, get, I think people. Some, I feel like this film gets like not appreciated as much. 
Well, yeah. there's the I mean, my my the one of the, one of the coolest parts of this movie that I completely forgot about till right now uh, is when they're running through the thing and he's like uh, he's like good you got out of the get, got out of the tunnel before the Batman comes or something. Oh and yeah, then, that's right. Yeah, and, and, and then they're both and then was the Batman returns story. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where they're both like yeah, I've totally forgot about that because he plays the Penguin, of course, in the Tim yeah. Burton Batman and yeah, that's right. Wow, that's full right. circle. Yeah. <laughs> How funny, but he, he, had <laughs> such a, he had such a crazy run in the in the eighties and then early nineties that like by the mid nineties he was directing his own like he directed yeah. Matilda like that was yeah his, yeah like, yeah debut. and Hoffa which by the way is really good um if you've not seen oh, it yeah that God I haven't seen that forever I, I watched it like last year I think and I'm just like damn this is we should cover this yeah but, that'd be interesting uh, yeah. Um, but, but, but no, I mean, like, like, uh, Danny, the, the thing about this movie that, that, uh, you know, gets kind of missed is how much it was on TV. I mean, uh, Oh my God, this was so ubiquitous on television back in the day Yeah, for whatever reason. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I don't think I ever actually watched it all the way through until like I was an adult. Um, <laughs> cause I, it was, you know, be flipping through the channels and be like, Oh, romancing the stone. Yes. Yeah. It's also one of the films that, uh, Reagan watched at camp David, apparently. No. When they oh. do where Reagan Reagan would watch a movie every week or whatever, that they'd be like, "Come on, sir, sit down, watch a movie." Oh, <laughs> he, he would do like the Obama thing and like, here are my favorite movies and songs of the year. <laughs> imagine, imagine if Reagan did good songs, actually the the Obama style song list. Not oh my anything. god, that that's actually how this is born in the USA ten times. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. actually how Tom Clancy became famous is because uh, somebody slipped that onto Reagan's nightstand, and he he's like. This Tom Clancy fellow is pretty good, and all of a sudden Tom Clancy blew up as a writer because uh, uh, because he got like a Reagan plug. There you go. There you go. That's not usually what they call the Reagan plug, but you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this Tom Clancy is pretty good. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's wild that like all three principles for this film are basically locked and loaded for kind of bigger things but nobody thinks it's going to be this like literally the studios when they saw that that, that initial screening they're like yeah this is going to bomb really bad yeah, and you're not doing cocoon true. anymore you know well, so they had no faith into it whatsoever so therefore it became not just like it was almost like it's a uh, there is some tie back to Fitzcarraldo. it became zemeckis just being like a force of will to like finish it and have you seen the uh, cut scenes these films, you know, executives, what do they know? Like, I, I feel like the only thing, the only, film executives, the only thing that they know at this point in time, especially, is, like, stuff that's already done well, right? Like, right, right. so yeah. having, like, a, um, a, a an adventure movie for adults is probably something that they're like, this is, like, what what are we going to do? How do you even market this? Like, Make it a tax write-off. Just they like, it. Just, <laughs> just like before Deadpool came out, the idea of there being a superhero movie for adults was like, yeah. like you can't, you can't, you literally can't do that. And so yeah. people that hate on Deadpool, first of all, usually don't know what the hell they're talking about. But secondly, exactly. if you like movies like Logan, like you owe it directly to Deadpool for doing That's that. That's why I'm excited for Deadpool 3. I don't give a fuck. I am too. I want to be good. I like. I'm in. I'm in. I'll. I'll, I'll watch that. The only MCU out, movie to come out, I think, this year alone. Good. So it should be the good. only one. And hopefully, yeah. it's Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe, which is an actual graphic novel. Yes. <laughs> I um the first the first the, the first time I watched Deadpool, I was on a plane to Puerto Rico. Yeah. And 
I mean, I enjoy I enjoyed it, but it's a, it's a good plane movie for sure. Well, he's like the Bugs Bunny of the Marvel Universe, right? Better than sixty four. Let me tell you. <laughs> and I mean that as a compliment, but it's like some people are just naturally against that, which is funny because in universe in the comics, everyone's annoyed by him in the same way. Yes. So that's one of the reasons why I think right like Ryan Reynolds fucking championing that movie. And I mean, like going basically... to war for that movie is like so great because in a way it almost mirrors Ryan Reynolds' career. <laughs> yeah, I mean he made fun of Green Lantern. He shot himself. It was it was yeah. funny. But also too, uh, I mean you never see Ryan Reynolds' Ryan feet. Reynolds, and he was created by Life Health. Wilson. Wait. I didn't I uh congratulations. I, I, I heard ne- what neither I, of you said. I wonder about like Ryan Reynolds versus like a Bradley Cooper. Like I, I feel like Ryan Reynolds is someone who kind of leaned into the the comedy of it all, yeah. And like in order to like you know revamp his career, whereas like a Bradley Cooper just gets really serious about things that are very fucking stupid. Like yeah. I'm gonna put this prosthetic nose on. <laughs> Tie into uh, it's always been in Philadelphia. Ryan Reynolds and uh, Rob McElhaney are, are welcome to Wrexham, where they buy they yes, literally they, they like, yeah we know they Rob McElhaney had to explain to the cast what like what winning an Emmy is like. Right, right, because because it's yeah, and they um, which is hilarious, because because they, they they literally bought a uh, a football team, yeah, an English football team, and it's it's them knowing nothing about football at the very beginning, and, and 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 it's actually you know what I don't like sports, even a little bit, but I found that incredibly enjoyable and engaging, so. Yeah. Give that what you will. Not brought to you by Welcome to Rexham. Could a movie like Romance in a Stone be made today? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, they I, tried. I feel like we kind of like. Well, they did. They they did that. This, the Lost City is yeah. like it's this. It's yeah. this without Danny DeVito and with Channing Tatum. I, I will say though, Brad Pitt <laughs> in that movie was hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, he's uh, great. He's the best. Yeah. yeah. Like how Danny wanna... DeVito is the best part of Romancing the Stone to a certain degree. So is Brad Pitt. Yeah. Lost City is fine, but it, it's, 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 I want to see a movie. I want to see a movie starring, movie. <laughs> starring uh, Danny DeVito and Channing Tatum, where Channing Tatum plays Danny DeVito's son. Oh my and he God, comes home and, and he's like, I... Dad. He's like, Dad, I'm your long lost son. And then you have to reckon with the fact that tiny little Danny DeVito had Danny Tatum as his son. Well, that's kind of it's twi- like twins ish. But I-, I just watched Foxcatcher yeah. at KT's suggestion, and Channing Tatum can actually act. He's really good in that. I was I was like super surprised. I don't know why I just never bothered with that. I mean, he did. I mean, the funny 20, 21 and 20 Jump Street was funny because, you know, he, he, he could do comedy really well. Yeah. No, he, he, he was a good dramatic. Lost City was fun. Lost City was, again, Half a carton of Chunky Monkey is, is what that is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, so, um, but it like, owes heavily to this movie uh, because, like, yeah. they literally like lifted the plot from from it as a uh, you know a romance writer you know gets kidnapped. And, and what's different you, is you know, the stuff they added that doesn't really work and nobody cares about. No. <laughs> speaking uh, speaking of half a carton of Chunky Monkey, all right, it's time for us to 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 have a little fun tonight. Because I have oh, Bobby yeah. Ryan interviewing Michael Douglas. <laughs> that rocks. And in this clip, uh, it's Oscar nomination uh, time when, when they film this. Or like yeah, it's right yeah, before yeah. the Oscars. So she's asking uh, Michael Douglas for his Oscar picks, which I was watching this last night. And I was like, I was like, oh, shit. This is just like, this is this is what you did before podcasting. You just, like a, us. just like a, me a for Dallas, real. <laughs> a Dallas yeah. movie. Like a, uh, whatever, like Dallas uh, movie show where you'd be like, yeah. let, me, let me ask you for your Oscar picks. Right, so right. We yeah. talked was here in Dallas. It was. 
And China syndrome. Yes, and uh, I wondered what you were doing, and now I know what you've been <laughs> doing. <laughs> Sloshing around in the jungles of Mexico is what you've been doing. Just five years, Bobby. That's all. It's hard to realize that it really is. That is amazing. I have to tell you, first of all, Michael, how much I enjoyed the picture. I ah, really did. Oh, good. I, I really did. Ah. I, <laughs> I laughed and uh, and just had a wonderful time with it. But as you must be well aware, and as I'm really going to say um, uh, right out front, please is, still of alive. course, it's going to be compared to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right, right. But uh, Hank Pym. in your case, I don't think you need to fear it because it's going to be compared favorably. I That's, think. <clears throat> that seems to be what's happened. Uh, what, it was a project which I started actually about five and a half years ago and uh, way before Raiders. And then um, it had a lot of difficulties getting going because people didn't think that a picture like Romancing the Stone, you could put action against comedy and against romance back to back like that and and pull it off and so it's taken a while uh, and i, I think we succeeded and there have been some comparisons but as you say most of the comparisons have been very favorable so i think we're in good shape did the success of raiders help you launch this um i'm sure it must have had it was there was no direct uh correlation that i was aware of but that was sort of a breakthrough picture in that adventure genre Something and i sort of felt after having made sort of socially relevant films like The China Syndrome and before that one flew over the cuckoo's nest, I was looking for a romp. Uh, and I thought it would be fun just like actors like to play different parts to do a different type of production than what I'd done before. Yeah. So I think that the success of Raiders certainly helped Romancing the Stone a lot. There is, uh, There are just some wonderful <clears throat> action sequences. And the one that blew my mind completely is the vehicle that goes over the waterfall. Yeah. Now, did you did you really do that? Those were real, real stunt people that went over that waterfall, yeah. It's a really old-fashioned picture in that way. And, I mean, a few of the differences from Raiders is there are no, like, special effects. It's like the old Westerns used to be with these, uh, you know, it was a stuntman's dream with all the different stunts, the waterfall and going down the slides and the swings, a lot of the, uh, of the car stuff. Uh, and we did it. At, it was actually in Durango, Mexico. And the stuntman there had made a lot of westerns. And he had said, you know, I've always wanted to take a horse over that waterfall. And he says, now i got a chance to do it with a car. So that was it. But as the producer, Michael, weren't you really terrified when they did that? Well, I figured they got to know what they're doing. Um, they're they're <laughs> professionals. There were a lot of other things that I was uh, terrified. Mostly I was just terrified that we wouldn't be able to finish the production. Like it running was, out of money for the picture. There in terms of you know rainstorms and a lot of logistical problems, and the the beauty of it, Bobby, is, is trying to make a picture. And I think we've succeeded. Look effortless, uh, as difficult as it is going from one location uh, to another, uh, and and we've, we had our close calls and our accidents. But in the end, you just try to make it look like it just sails. What sort of mishaps did you have? Uh, mud, mostly. Uh, I've never seen it rain, except maybe in Dallas, as, uh, as hard as it was uh, down there. We came in that tornado storm the other night, but it was the major rain um, season, so you find a location oh. one day, <laughs> and then you go to the next, and the mudslides come down, and taking your road away, so you had to carve off uh, a new road, or you get stuck down there. You'd have to have big tractors to pull the semi-trailers uh, out. So it was a lot of a lot of logistical 
uh, work. We got a lot of cooperation in Mexico, and the spirits of everybody uh, were good. But I think it'll be a while before I do another one of these adventure pictures. Michael, I've never seen you do that kind of role before. Is this a breakthrough for you? Well, I, I, I guess so. I mean, my friends have been saying it's about time you play something a little closer to yourself. Uh, they said you've been fooling with all these morally uh, justifiable characters and judges and all that. And it's time that you did something that was a little more fun. Um, they've always felt that was um, much closer to uh, this, who I am. So, yeah, I've been getting a nice favorable response, uh, you know, from yeah, no, it. and I'm hoping it's certainly a lot more fun to do this and uh, mm -hmm. more serious parts. And I'm looking forward to, we had a, you know, just a really nice ensemble experience there. I think Kathleen Turner was great. And obviously you met with Danny and, and he's a lot of fun. So it's, I'm going to savor it. It's been a lot of fun. The Oscars, of course, are just around the corner now. And I have to pick your brain a little bit as a former Oscar winner yourself and Oscar nominee. Uh, what do you see for best picture? Well, I gather it looks like there's going to be sort of a, a terms of endearment sweep. I have a feeling. I think it's captured uh, a lot of people. It reminds a little bit of the success we did have with Cuckoo's Nest that year, where that kind of momentum just built and built. So I would imagine the terms will get best picture. And uh, McLean, actress? Um, I don't know. I think that's going to be interesting. And maybe I, I would imagine so. Uh, the Academy members generally are, are relatively older. A lot of the newer people in the industry have not become cat, an Academy member. So I think Shirley has a chance. Uh, Jim Brooks, I think obviously Jack Nicholson will, be, uh, will win as a um, supporting actor. Supporting actress, I don't know. It's, uh, it's pretty wide open. Who do you think <clears throat> might have an edge? Anybody there? Um, I don't know. I, mean, I like Cher a lot. Uh, there's another picture was made here in, in Texas. Um, I, I like Cher a lot, but it's hard to say. I'm not trying to remember who all the candidates. Glenn are. Close, yes. Linda, Linda Hunt. Right. I would think I would think maybe Cher's got a chance, or Linda Hunt. And if uh, Shirley MacLaine doesn't get it, who would beat her out? Well, it's hard to say. No, I, I would I, I would say MacLaine's the uh, odds-on favorite, probably. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, you'll be there. Do you go? I may be there. I may be back actually in New York. Uh, uh, Romancing's opening on March 30th. I'm going to do a little work in New York, and then I'm taking a long-deserved vacation, going to the Caribbean with my family for a, a couple of weeks. So I may be watching the Academy Awards from, uh, from Jamaica. <laughs> okay, so for terms of endearment, 56 Academy Awards, the film received a leading 11 nominations and won a leading five awards, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress for McLean, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor for Nicholson. All right, and, and three years later, you... you actually wins an award for best actor himself for wall street so I, I wonder um well he he did he won already for um once over the cougars for best right? actor he didn't no not for best yeah. no that's, i'm saying well, that's for, what for, i said best actor. Saying, oh yeah yeah, he won so that. yeah, yeah. it's clear that that's yeah that's why that's in there uh but yeah obviously cuckoos is he was that's when he was still um <clears throat> yeah mostly behind the scene it uh yeah, I don't know what's going on with the editing for that clip, by the way. <laughs> it's pretty, it was pretty glitchy. Uh, it's interesting. He's got a canned response to the Raiders question, right? Like, he's, he's got something ready. Yeah. Because you kind of got to you, because at this point, as we mentioned last year, like, Ra Raiders kind of kicks off a whole cottage industry of adventure movies, some of which are even yeah. good. <laughs> but there's definitely a lot of them. And it's... I mean, restarts that uh, 
that, that trend, right? Like, but not since like the, the, basically since the 1940s had there been like a, as, as yeah, well, like with swashbuckle type, and even mm-hmm. like Tarzan movies. <laughs> I mean, put Tarzan though, in with Abbott and Costello is what we're gonna do. It it opened uh, two, two months before Temple of Doom. Right, right, yeah, yeah, and and yeah, again, because that was. It, it wasn't like they were uh, creating Raiders to make a franchise, but it was so popular. Like, well, I guess we can do a prequel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Both, both this movie and Temple of Doom have the same kind of like rope bridge scene where that's, it's like, you know, oh, right. yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, I, I feel like uh, linked in the public imagination now from that too. Like, of course, Kathleen Turner kind of does it way more badass. Like uh, she just jumps on the rope and just goes for it. That's like, that's like her moment of like, that's like, oh shit, maybe she's gonna survive this. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. She gets to be a badass it. there, which is instead yeah. of just ah, I'm not my like heels. A damsel in distress. <laughs> I'm a damsel, be, um, not in distress. The classic, the classic '80s bit where uh, Michael Douglas is still ranting for like 30 seconds after she's already gone over the thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right, right, yeah, right. he's like, already gone. <laughs> yeah, that's the. And he has the same line over and over again where he's like, uh, <laughs> he's, he's like, should listen to my mother, you know. I would have been, I would have been, you know, looking at uh, ass and tits as a, as some kind of surgeon, and I wouldn't be in the in the jungle with that. He's just ranting and ranting, and then, then she goes over the fucking thing. <laughs> so I was thinking about this our, our, our conversation for for the clip about about that recent movie, The Lost City, which also, by the way, has, has Divine Joe Randolph. I forgot about that too. She's in that too. She's also great in that. Um, but feature Oscar winner. There's a lot of needless exposition and backstory that. It's a, that's a modern construct. Like you don't like okay. So in in Romance of the Stone, he's just running around the jungle. He's running around the jungle doing an adventure because it's the eighties and and f you. That's why. Like mm-hmm. they, they they give some threadbare background <laughs> about it, but it doesn't like it doesn't set up like oh okay well this is motivation for doing this and then you know there's this whole and I and I find that refreshing because I feel like there's a lot of over explanation for background stories in movies in general now yeah well the, the thing is it also makes a lot of sense as he's kind of supposed to be the, like the living embodiment of one of her characters and you right. can't imagine that like any of her characters get like a bag like you know yeah, who cares yeah are they smoldering gaze are they uh <laughs> are they well, you so, know so she starts the movie out right it was like that opening where you know she's just um the, the lady is just like in her house or in you know the house or whatever and the guy yeah. comes in and he's like gonna rape her and he's like oh no the worst man in the west or something and then she fucking manages to get the knife Turns out around like and hit him hits him with the knife and then she gets saved by her like uh you know her love jack and you, you can't imagine that any of those characters get any any kind of backstory right because he's just the worst guy in the west this is the best guy this is the best guy in the west and uh, <laughs> I, I love that I'm glad you mentioned that scene because it's so set up to look exactly like a Sergio Leone Western, like down yeah. to the like color correction, like the type of um, like the sort of higher contrast and uh, the, the really strong reds and yellows. Like, mm-hmm. and it's it's a small scene because because when you first watch it, like, am I looking at the right movie? Like, what? yeah, <laughs> it's it a shadow too. Like, like they they kept all the yeah. except for the the bad guy. Um, all the the main characters in the book 
or, or like their faces are kept in shadow most of the time. Right. Right. No, it's it's a real interesting way to start it off and, and be like, oh, OK, so she's writing. And then, you know, immediately you don't have to be told, hey, so you you write books, right? Oh, yeah. So I started doing that, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, it just yeah. shows you. It freaking you shows you. It doesn't tell the you. the wall and you know she's a professional. Like, like right. you know, right. the, the, there you go. Well, it's like, you see, like, romance novelist of the year. Like, that's on her yeah. wall. And you're like, yeah, all right. You, yeah, no. you don't need, like, a 10-minute scene explaining that she's a romance novelist of the year because you saw it. If you're paying, like, the slice bit of attention or, like, a spoon-fed little baby. Thank you. <laughs> or you know if you could read <laughs> yeah and, and, and you know and, and again not to keep comparing it to the last city i thought the one thing i will say is that like the idea that the channing tatum character is like basically fabio is like his, that's her cover art her uh cover model and that like everyone like attributes him to having like greater sense of importance of these stories that he does not in fact have anything to do with yes funny that's very funny uh but other mm -hmm. than that like Again, Michael Douglas' character, you don't know where, like, why is he running around adventuring? I don't know, he's an adventurer. What do you need to know? <laughs> and and I, I I really like that. He's he doing barely, an adventure. Not everything needs a tragic backstory. Exactly, exactly. Well, he did, he needed the money. <laughs> he's, he's little boy yeah. blue, you know? He needed yeah. the money. He's Jack T. Uh, Colton. He, he does an adventure. That's what he does. And Yeah, well, so I like that. I like that the, the character that got the most backstory besides her is, like, you know, Captain Doctor, Mr. Zolo. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because because that's the classic thing where it's like uh, he's the worst man in Colombia, you know what I mean? Which right, if, right. You know, these days that could be anybody in Colombia, but like he's the worst man in Colombia. So they're like, oh, no matter what he calls himself, Doctor Zolo, Mister Zolo. It's that classic thing of like you have to build up your bad guy yeah. because your, your bad guy is not going to get to actually murder anybody um, because this is like you know it's a it's an adventure movie that's going to just ruin the mood. So you have to like uh, keep talking the guy up for when he finally shows up and gets his hand ripped off by alligator um you know it's literally like peter pan style yes it's 100 yeah. percent peter As pan. A yeah yeah you got peter pan you can you can say it yeah. uh no and that's and that's great because it allows him to kind of play it a little more um like he doesn't have to like overtly explain his motivations and things along those lines right like he and, just and has he, to ham it up he just has to like kind of glower at the camera and look menacing okay cool right on yeah. But you get, it, it, but it mirrors, I think, um, the the character in the beginning where she's like, "That's when he, you know, stole oh, yeah. my, like, burned my Bible, raped my sister, murdered my mother, and like, there's that long list of things the guy did. did. My dogs, yeah. 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 And so, so it sets it sets the doctor, Mister Professor Zolo character up to be that kind of, um, right. you know, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think it works, you know, and it, it works in the way that. Again, that's that's coming from that rich tradition of like 1940s serial storytelling too, right? Where you just like have everybody, you know, talking hushed whispers about like the oh, it's, it's so dangerous. Like, watch out, no one's ever survived is the battle with him, you know, whatever it happens. To yeah, me. I mean, they did that too with uh, Darth Vader. You know, I, I think sure. that's probably like the, the the most modern example, which is you know pulling from those tropes, of course, but but uh, that that we know. And, and I mean, like you know, they have the one guy talking shit about Darth Vader, and what does he do? Choke the guy out, you know. Yeah, well, and it's exactly. And I mean, I'm imagine because imagine if Star Wars had started with uh, Con, like, did you get my message? I, I did, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, and if it started with like the scene from Rogue One where Vader's just smoking fools left and right, like yeah. it doesn't need to do that. Uh, but like that's a totally different movie if they if they if they did do that, and, and that's great. And and honestly, probably a lesser movie, even though it would be a show not tell, because like again. 
the the suspense, like the the hearing about it before you see it, is is uh, it goes back to uh, Skip from New York, right? We hear all about Snake Plissken. Oh, Snake Plissken. Oh, Snake Plissken. And it's like, what's, what's, who's the Snake Plissken guy? Oh, there he is. That like if they had shown that failed heist at the beginning, it's like, well, he's not that good at heisting. I can tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. The, the other thing too about that is like like it also whenever he does something like completely unrealistic, it's like whatever. It's Snake Plissken. He can get away with it. Right. Right. You know. Precisely. You know. Whatever. Zolo just being. You know mustache twirling evil it's like whatever he's he's evil we can, we can get away with it yeah what's what's a dudley do right's nemesis uh <laughs> snidely whiplash yeah doing a snidely whiplash right <laughs> uh is this a beckdale fail though yes i think it is I was yeah absolutely that, that the only scene where the two women are actually talking to each other they're literally is, talking about dudes they're yes. talking about dudes in the room that are like oh that that guy's you know that guy sucks because of this reason this guy sucks because of that reason etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah like like right at the beginning like you're not even like five minutes into the movie and it's failing the bechdel test yeah yeah oh we have a we have a question in the comments oh we got here okay uh better be a good one if anything, yeah. because you all have made the Indiana Jones comparisons, how do you feel about the structure of this movie coming from Diane Thomas focusing on the elite actress and flipping the script by having Jack D. Colton have just as much characterization as Willie Scott? Good question. Thanks. Sorry about the words. Uh, Christina, what do you think? I mean, I think it, it, it's kind of important to kind of focus on the lead actress because, the, I mean, she's she's writing all these novels and, you know, she's not realizing that she's gonna be she's ending up walking into one of her novels essentially minus the hardcore eroticism of it all but she's going on an adventure <laughs> you know i mean good for her like let her live a little like i think and that it, was pretty it, unique at the time too i mean this is when's yeah. never any story that's uh i think that was also 84 wasn't it yeah i think i think you might be right let me uh, but but the, the thing I, I do like about that is like it is her story and she's the one with the arc like like you right. know you're it's not jack colton's story he doesn't he has a, he has an arc don't, don't get he me doesn't wrong show, like he doesn't show up to like 20 25 minutes in <laughs> exactly exactly and he's like scumbag to maybe not scumbag it's big han solo energy for yes. sure like let's let's, hey, let's kid. get it twisted yeah <laughs> but I, you know i i agree that like the so uh uh labyrinth never ending story right a lot a lot of the uh the, the fantasy moves we covered when we did fantasia they'll they have that the book as the uh, narrative conceit but they're all for kids so this is a situation where she's in one of the kind of books that she would write yeah and and, and ends up writing and ends up being a huge hit <laughs> or it ends up being well regarded anyway I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's gonna be a huge hit there's a boat so they get to buy a boat so apparently it's, it does well enough but i think that's cool so that's why it's more of a bummer where it's like, oh, it's a shame there wasn't like any scene that isn't directly involve a dude. But it's also 1984. What are you going to do? I mean, <laughs> nobody nobody was yeah. thinking about that at the time, I guess. Well, yeah, like 19 I think ni like 1983 and 84 was when they created the uh the PG-13. I wonder how it would have been with a PG-13 rating. When did that originate? Well, like it actually it was because of uh, Gremlins and Raiders, which came out that year. So, so it was just yeah. before uh, PG thirteen. Also, it was that same year. Yeah, they were like, we can't make this a PG movie. It's too scary for PG, but not hard enough to go for an R rating. So, if anything, they probably would have gone back and gave Poltergeist a PG thirteen rating for like the scarier images alone. Yeah, you're right. So it was Temple of Doom specifically, but yeah, there there was like a, a Gremlins was another one. Like there was yeah. a bunch of ones where Gremlins it's like, well, was, we got the conversation started, and it was it was Temple of Doom that actually was the first one. Yeah, 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 exactly. It was all so, Steven Spielberg's fault. 
Uh, and also, uh, well, yeah. and also Red Dawn. Apparently. Oh yeah, Wolverines. <laughs> so, <laughs> but but I think it's it's again using the because we think of it now and it's like that's just like oh yeah like it's it's they're doing the thing you see the scene like oh no that's a scene from like the movie he's writing or that's a scene from like the the book that she's writing or whatever and like we just think of that as as like a narrative conceit but it was crazy that like multiple movies around like a two year process all that were written at different times yeah. all had that and basically put that into as a trope as as a trope in um in filmmaking and story narrative short storytelling in general I, but, I was at a uh, science fiction convention and they put me on a panel about uh tales from the slush pile for some reason okay. and i was on with a bunch of editors and I, i'm like like what am i doing here but uh, one of the editor tells the story of like like constantly getting scripts you know like like uh books where yeah. it starts off in one genre and it'd be really well written and it also like would reveal that they're like in vr or something like that and and it also just go into like this real cliche uh, story after that. Right. It's like, no, I want this fantasy thing you were writing. Yeah, this, this, right. Not everybody can pull from dust till dawn, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's fascinating too because when we talk about the genre of like adventure movies, which we have in all month, they tend to be usually on the more serious side uh, in a lot of cases, and this is polar opposite of that like absolutely could not be more different uh <laughs> opposite side of of the like this is you know, adventures are supposed to be a little comedic a little fun right. isn't that the whole point <laughs> well and and that's uh, there's a certain example of that i mean zemeckis himself we talked about like what was one of his next movies is goonies you yeah, know mm. that takes that to the next level uh comedically and then also not only involves kids but has a cast that it's quite distinguished uh, <laughs> for their later careers, as we as we talked about last year, and I feel like like uh, uh, the Chris Columbus Zemeckis thing was spinning up big time around that time, and it's it's amazing to me still, even knowing it that without Romance in the Stone, we don't get Back to the Future. Crazy, yeah. And and, yeah. and and because it like didn't do well with test audiences, it it really didn't do well at all. And then he went back and fixed it, but before they before they let him do anything with it, they fired him off Cocoon. Which I like Cocoon, but as far as like important movies of the eighties, nah. yeah, it's it's uh, Ron Howard who's like he's fine. Yeah, and that's that's like the best you can say about Ron Howard. <laughs> It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. I mean, I mean like they're bad films. <laughs> yeah. There there have been instances like we're seeing now with the musicals now. Like a lot of people are not being told that they're that they're watching being test audience for like a musical or anything like that, or a movie musical. And I'm like, oh, not smoker, thank you for the raid. Um, so yeah, that uh that's a whole situation. Uh but it's it, but there are times where um they will test something. Uh, for, oh God! For instance, okay, here's an example: live action Beauty and the Beast. Mm -hmm. The scene where he transitions back to being human. He was supposed to wake, wake up in a bed of roses, shirtless. And okay. some Midwestern moms were like, "Well, he's taking from the top off. He's taking from the bottom down." I don't want my daughter seeing this. And I'm like, Midwestern mom, we could have had a shirtless Dan Stevens in a Disney film. <laughs> that's that's okay. There you go. That's that's a. So they had to change it, make it look like the original animated version. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sakes. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, and you know that is 
both sides of the adventure coin too, right? Like that, that's like, okay, there's a one for, for kids and one's for adults. And there's stuff that kind of straddles that line. You know, Jurassic Park, not for Dan Stevens being shirtless, but it, it straddles that line, right? There's a lot of stuff for adults and a lot of stuff for kids. One of the reasons mm-hmm. it was a huge hit uh, that, again, was almost unexpected by yep. many people that should have known better, frankly. Uh, but I think that it's notable that there is still that division between, like, kids stuff and adult fare. Yeah. And there hadn't really been this kind of film in the 80s for adults. And yeah. then they made another one, they made a sequel, and they probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. And you also gotta think too, like Disney wasn't doing so well at the time. This was the dark ages for Disney where they sure. came up with films like the Black Cauldron, which, which I like the Black Cauldron. Oh, Black Cauldron's awesome. Yeah. It was dark for Disney. And I'm like, yeah. bring that back. You know what, Disney? This is how you can save all from the wolf bullshit that you're that's being thrown at you. Do more dark stuff. Is Black Cauldron like, even available to stream anywhere? I don't even know. I haven't seen that. I think it's ever. on Disney Plus. It might be. All right. I'm going to look this up. I'm on it. We'll get our top researchers on it. This is also apparently on Disney Plus. Romancing the Stone is? Yeah. Really? I I think they they are. So so she's a Disney princess, essentially, is what we're saying. (laughs) Kathleen (laughs) Turner is definitely a. They they have a deal, I think, with 20th Century uh, Fox. Yeah, they they did buy 20th Century Fox. Yeah. So so the only place you get the streamed. You have to pay for it everywhere else. The only place you can get the streams is Disney Plus. Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kathleen Turner's great in this. Uh, yeah. Just just reiterating our point from like an hour ago. Like it's it's cool that she got the opportunity to prove that that she can you know re- really deliver and you know like whatever everyone gets to have their like sweaty sexy time in the jungle too. Don't worry. But like it's it's you know there, there's some depth to it and it's not just a straight street line so to speak i like mean when, she, and, when, she and michael douglas uh together have so much like chemistry right on like, screen chemistry so, yeah in real life so too <laughs> yeah but like when there's that scene at the, the river right where they're on opposite the river and like i'll meet you back at the hotel and then you're like are you though like it well, feels like you and, you you could and you could not also <laughs> Dan, danny devito plants that in your mind too when he's like that's a con man he makes yeah. it be like it's your idea and yeah. you're in your head you're like yeah that is like you're right about that and then but and then it kind of hits you like we don't really know anything about this like you already saw like they had sex and then he slipped the fucking map back in her bag because he was going to xerox it and just go for the treasure himself which by the way great great use of modern technology because remember the xerox (laughs) machine was not as uh, ubiquitous Uh, then but it's like oh everyone wants this map great i'm gonna make my own copy and then like who cares what happens in this yeah well and fucking uh you know it seems like it's easier to find a xerox machine half the time than a phone in this fucking (laughs) (laughs) today you couldn't make the movie day because cell phones right right, exactly Exactly. I no, yeah, I do like it, the one he's like the one guy's like, Yeah, we have a Xerox machine. He's like, Can you do something map sized? And then you have to think yeah, about like, oh shit, like there's multiple sizes for Xerox. Like oh yeah, had, like, oh, yeah. yeah. absolutely. No, <laughs> I, I did a lot of artwork using involving uh, uh copy machines back in the yeah, day. Anyone that ever did zines knows that all too well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have any eleven by seventeen, huh? Okay. Uh... yeah. But but uh I love the fact that um uh the guy who had uh you know the mule um yeah it was a pepe oh, uh, right. he's just like oh my my copy is broken down like, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah the I, I also, um, which is like I a little mini monster like, truck i love his little getaway ramp yeah 
apparatus that's like a garage a garage door opener thing yeah, yes that's, that's awesome. well that's I, I also love that it's clearly it's like a it's like a drug mule community right like he's oh, sure. a dealer and the rest of them are all like his goons and i love the entire bit that's like uh because they, they let you know in the beginning like your books do very well oh, they're really popular down there yeah, yeah. Books are really, they sell really well they say your books are really popular especially in those macho countries which is like what they always say about like you know latin american countries yeah and so she goes down there and of course like you don't think about that line any more than like, um, you know, than that five seconds. Like she's successful and okay, so worldwide success. All right, and that's and that's all it's doing, and it's, it's it sets up. It's a, uh, yeah, it sets up the whole like. Did you say June Wilder? Which, of course, gesticulating with the gun in in that classic comedic yeah. way of like, please don't gesticulate at me with that gun, sir. <laughs> but like, every, even like the lackeys are like, oh, okay, yeah. You well, know? He, goes, he goes, he goes. I read your books to the men, which. I want to. I want to know a little bit more about that because it's, this is the community of all male uh, drug dealers, and this guy's reading, reading like her erotic. <laughs> sure. They're all getting. They're all like. They're all. They're all real horny in that community. Like, and yeah, once yeah. a week, he like doses them with like a little bit of a romance novel. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Sure, why not? The one woman in that community was that old lady. That's, that's oh, the only one you see. I, I, I want to know. I want to know if she needs help. <laughs> right, right. Well, and it, and I, so I feel like we haven't. We've talked about Danny DeVito as a dude, but I feel like we haven't talked about his role nearly enough because, again, I feel it's the key to this movie. But Ralph is like, and his relationship with his their, their brothers, right? That, or that cousins, brother, I think. Cousins, cousins. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. That they're constantly yelling at each other, you know, like they're, and it's such a great, like, classic visual gag where he's talking about, oh, they gave me the slip, this, and you see them like drive up behind him, and they're like getting out of the car, and then, and then you're like, you're like, oh, that's funny because he's talking about how he can't find them, and then like he turns around and sees them, and it's all like one long shot, you know. Yes. I feel like, I feel like that's real, classic adventure serial, uh, kind of three panel comic book comic strip yeah. kind of kind of thing, you know. Uh, and he's very funny. He's very funny, but not in a way that's like distracting. It isn't like, oh, here comes the clown. Well, yeah. and it's, it's like when you see when they steal the car, and and, and first of all, Kathleen's like, why don't you just try the use the key? Like he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. I'll wire the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you see Dave DeVito like sleeping in the back, and he's like, what the oh, and he like hides, and it's like that's such a great gag because it's like okay, it's, it's in that well, the other the other gag that's really great is when. Uh, Captain, Doctor, Professor, Colonel Zolo gets into the car, and he was hiding his head. And he yeah. goes, uh, he goes, yeah. no, no, Americano, Americano, they're they're scummo, scummo, and then scummo, they spit on them. And then, and then the guy's line is, the guy, the guy's line is, oh, you must be French, which had me. That's right. That's right. Forget about it. Um, yeah, but like that line too, right? Like, cause he's, he's, uh, he's on like the FBI's Interpol most wanted list, but he's not, he's not like a fear of like a fearsome guy. Like you have to imagine the cousins, the more fearsome, which right. gives you that like Maltese Falcon kind of vibe where it's like, you know, Peter Laurie appears in like Maltese Falcon and he has the gun and he's constantly pointing it at Humphrey Bogart. But like, you also kind of pity the guy because right. the guy is a he's like sympathetic and he's like, he's clearly working hard to get the fucking treasure in you know, in both cases. So it has yeah. that like. Maltese Falcon kind of like it's not I, just like, a straight yeah. black hat villain situation at all. Yeah, like where where it's like no, he's clearly got his angle, he, and he's he's trying to get ahead just like anyone else, and this is slightly more disreputable and cynical. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's again, it's there's depth without it being 
a freaking Disney Plus prequel series, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Although I would totally watch that, to be frank. You get, you get like. That's what they should call it, to be frank. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it's always sunny. <laughs> you you get you get like the tiny amounts of context though, where he's like, "I don't want to die in fucking." He's a Spico Colombia, which you know, yeah. this eighties yeah. movie right there. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's like, "I don't want to die in Colombia. Take me back to Queens." Right. And it's like, so you get like enough context where it's like, "All right, so this is like you know, like two American guys running around Colombia trying to make like trying to steal shit from people that are far, far more successful in Colombia." You know what I mean? Like. Uh, you know, at, at doing this whole crime thing, and then and then you have someone who's like the butcher guy that is very successful at crime, but not successful at keeping his hand out of an alligator's mouth. <laughs> yeah, so he's, gonna be, he's gonna be very successful at crime one-handed. Is what he's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good, I love a good like secondary or like tertiary antagonist, though. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah, and, and and it gets that whole treasure hunt vibe. Across they make him. Easier. They make him more entertaining, especially when they're portrayed by someone like Danny DeVito. Well, yeah, yeah when you got someone with that much personality. What are you gonna do? Put him as the sidekick? No, you got to have him as he's he's on his own thing and he's like, yeah <laughs> running around doing his own stuff. Which I, I, I to forget that they uh, like. I guess like they must have killed. It seems like they at least implied they killed the husband of her sister, which we haven't even talked about. Like the whole like the whole they ransomed the, the sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which gets her down there. It really deserves to get her down there. Well, it seems like she, yeah, that, that decision's made very quickly. Like as if that's maybe something that happens more often than. Yeah. Well, the, the guy had a treasure map. Like you have to imagine that her yeah. husband is just another one of these guys running around trying to get treasure in like Colombia, and she's yeah. along for the ride. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like it's it's. I think you're forgiven for thinking that the whole thing might be like a put on, right? Like a scam or something. Uh, that it's, it's, it's like the, cause the whole setup seems kind of weird with what we're given, but not, you know, like not any more unbelievable than any of the rest of it, which is just like, <laughs> don't think too hard about this, Sonny. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole thing is just setting her up to be in one of her romance novels. And yeah. in, in, in any of these romance novels, like it's never like a very believable story. It's like, look, she's horn, she's horny. There's some guys after her and her, her, her husband can't say. <laughs> what do you want a diagram kid? <laughs> uh, I was trying to look up. What are those, those other alt cast, not Sylvester Slump, what were the other alt castings? Uh, One of them that we didn't talk about is the um, Sir Reeve. We said Clint Eastwood. Burt Reynolds, Paul Newman. Yeah. They were trying to get Clint Eastwood in there. Clint Eastwood, no, oh. terrible. No, that would be so. <laughs> wrong. Okay, can we say? Can we say? You know, a lot of people diss Ray Liotta for for saying he's the like the most like oh, like an overrated actor. He he can't really act. Clint Eastwood, he can't even direct. Wow. Okay, this is. All right. He, he was pretty good at He was pretty good at that performance where he was pretending you should, Obama. You should go it. to the movie night extravaganza Discord and post that in the uh, hot takes <laughs> yeah. section. Yeah. The, 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 he um, you know, he's pretty good at pretending Obama was in that chair and uh, yeah. getting his putting his racial animus out of the chair. <laughs> can, so can I say that? All right, moving on from that subject entirely. Jack Nicholson was another one of the of the ones, and I at one point would have been like no, but then I've actually seen him. Like I saw him in like a, the Passenger, and basically he did like that that Chinatown one flew over the cuckoo's nest time period. He did like th- four movies around that time, and they're all like wildly different. Yeah, yep. and it would be interesting because he does end up working uh, with Kathleen Turner on uh, Preetzi's Honor, 
uh, which is like right before she does uh, um, uh, Peggy Sue Got Married. And it's like Jack was just going for a totally different thing at the time. So I understand where he wouldn't he'd be like, no, I'm not doing that right now. You know, like that's, that's just, look, uh, I can't be in a movie like this right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't go down to the jungle. I have too much going on. Kind of like Gilbert David Lynch, Humphrey? David Lynch doing Jack Nicholson. I don't really know what's happening. There. No, that was that was David Lynch is a way more whatever. I was just trying to do like it's the voice. Friday. Thing, you know? Wait, it's David Lynch to... doing Jack Nicholson is what I said, sir, and I stand by my assessment. All uh, right, but I think if it, I I think he actually would have been good. It's which Friday once again, sir. <laughs> See now I'm just now I'm just David Lynch. <laughs> I invoke the Lynch. Uh. It would have been cool, but it wasn't at all what he was going for at the time. And that's a very different kind of movie, right? Because I think that, like, Jack Nicholson's a different kind of leading man. Yeah. yeah. He he just, he just doesn't give off, in my opinion, like, the, like, light charm and, like, right. looseness of, like, a Michael Douglas. But, like, I, I guess the thing to remember is at the time there wasn't a Michael Douglas, right? Like, like now we have a very firm opinion of what Michael Douglas is capable of doing and, like, the, the variety of roles he's able to play. But, like, I, I understand why it wouldn't have popped up in his head when he's only been playing these, like, these TV roles. Like, yeah. that he's, not, he's not the best one to do this. And, again, so the like, shadow of his father, too, who, yeah. who did do yep. those kinds of roles. So he kind of wanted to right do Nelly would, but anyway. But uh, like, like uh, who else could have done it? Like Mel Gibson would have been interesting. Like, like, uh, but like again, it's Mel Gibson. But um, he 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 has that kind of uh, a similar type of charm. And there's not too many other people you could think of of the, of 1984 um, that that has that kind of like charm and energy that uh, you know that, that Michael Douglas brought. Uh, that that was a that was a known star. And again, Christopher Reeve would have been wrong because he was he that Superman. Yeah, the, the one the one person I think could have done it is like Kurt Russell. Yes. Oh, yes. I actually, I said, yeah. in my letterbox review, I think I said Michael Douglas as Kurt Russell as Jack T. Colton. Because <laughs> you're totally right. Like, it's it's like that that era of, uh, you know, the big trouble in Little China, Kurt Russell. Yeah. The, the, well, the, the thing with yeah. like, the Jack T. Colton thing uh, kind of reminds me of like, you know, the Snake Plitzkin thing where he's like, I'm yep. Snake Plitzkin. And you're supposed to just know, like, like in the same way, he's like Jack. Yeah. Like once the person has like an initial in their name, I feel like the initial is just oh, Everyone like, knows who that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's Siberius. <laughs> Duh, hello. <laughs> this, movie, this movie with Mr. T as. Oh, my God. <laughs> That'd be amazing. That's okay, amazing. so I got to give me the map. <laughs> I, I pity the fool that hasn't re- that hasn't read Joan Wilder's novels. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the things 1982, right? So this is so interesting. So this this predates Big Trouble by two years because that's eighty mm-hmm. that's eighty six. It also predates Overboard, but it's irrelevant to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another peak mom and dad cinema. <laughs> yes, it's like a double feature right there. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Notice Jewel of the Nile is not in that double feature. I, I feel like I feel like one of the things that invoked uh, Kurt Russell for me is like the hair, like he has, which Michael Douglas also has that hair, but like now it's known as like the slick back, like you know, Wall Street hair. Well, and, especially after he won the Oscar for Wall Street, and dudes yeah. emulated that to like to point that that's yeah. still being seen to this day every time i think of wall street i just think of robert downey jr on wall street and him ranting about you know how awful they are yeah that's a that's a that's a good clip right there i, just, I watched that the other day because he reposted <laughs> like four in the morning <laughs> i mean like and, and it's it's this is just such a crazy 
so much in this movie that has nothing to do with the movie that has weird flashpoints in history. And it's, it's interesting because I never really thought about it. I knew like 90% of the, these, these little facts and but like like they were going to film in Colombia, but they couldn't because there were too many kidnappings in Colombia to do their <laughs> kidnapping in Colombia movie. Oh, what is this? Fitzcarraldo? <laughs> yeah, we can't have that, can we? <laughs> yeah, they moved the production to Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they were smart about that because they had a mudslide in the script. A mudslide happened. They had a guy getting his hand bitten off by a crocodile. A guy actually got his hand bitten off by a crocodile. You know, it'd be like may maybe like, if they had done a kidnapping movie in Colombia. Yes, they probably would have gotten kidnapped and ransomed. <laughs> <laughs> the screenwriter would not be the only person who's not alive anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's such a drag. Uh, the, the whole. Um... Diane Thomas, right? That, that yeah. was uh, her name. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, that reminds me of the situation with Waitress. Did you, do you know what movie oh, she was going to yeah. do? Because uh, she was going to do the third Indiana Jones movie. Really? Which would have been fantastic. Oh, man, that would have been interesting. And then Always, which I've, I I don't think I've ever seen Always. Well, they, they scrapped yeah. they scrapped her Indiana Jones script. They didn't think it was like up to par or whatever. Well, I mean, you know, it was a first draft, too. Like, the like, strikes again. The Hollywood. only fil uh, finished script she ever had uh, made into a film was... Uh, you know, um, romancing the stone. Did she yeah. write Jewel of the Nile too? Or no, no, okay, she didn't. We can blame that on someone else. Again, yeah. it reminds me what happened. Yeah, they, they rushed that movie too much. Like, well, there's a lot of it's it's not terrible. It's just like it doesn't have the magic yeah. this one does. Like, it's not, like it's not great either. Yeah, yeah no, no. Sure. Like, like they're they're fighting all the time, and that's not why you enjoy this movie. It was just this beautiful romance between them. And, and you don't right. want to see them fighting like that. It's it's disappointing. It's just well, so she she gave a bunch of like help to them on like script notes and stuff and like on her characters or whatever. Like, but um, which is why like Michael Douglas ended up buying her the Porsche that ended up killing her. Because oh, that's was, oh like, wow, wow, that's messed up. Okay, yeah. So because she kept on like having all these notes that she would give them, like yeah, I think my characters would do this or that, and like. You know, but she was working on that always script with because this is literally like you know Indiana Jones. Steven Spielberg called her yeah. up right away and was like, "Hey, I want I want you to be on my like my team, not like you know twenty yeah. first century Fox is uh kid. I like the cut of your jib. Come right for me and in Indiana Jones. So, so, so did you hear like, about the like uh, thank her or whatever though? It's like to thank her at the end of the film shoot. Um, you know, Michael Douglas like, yeah, here, just take you know take this Porsche. I want to like do something for you. You've like been so helpful right. and everything. And then yeah. And there was uh, two sequels that they tried to make after that, too. Well, there was one that was going to have them with their kids. Yes, that was going to be called The Crimson Eagle. And they were going to be, like, going to, like, a different... So the, I think I think the idea was, because Jewel of the Nile, it's like, do, they do a different continent every time, was the was the idea, yeah. right? There was going to be and, Thailand in, in uh, the, that script, uh, where they uh, had to steal a statue that they were blackmailed into doing. And then in, in the 2000s, there was another one called Racing the Monsoon, which is a fucking great title. Um, but but nobody really knows what that one's about. It's racing the monsoon. Kid, listen, there's a monsoon, and they have to get to the top of the mountain. <laughs> it's a monsoon, <laughs> yeah, race. It's a race against the monsoon. It's in. It's like Planet of the Apes, kid. You know what it is when you see the title. They have to get to the top of Mount Fuji before Kurosawa does. <laughs> but yeah, it is a great title. And racing uh, the monsoon. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean. It's a shame that that first sequel so it was so rushed because I feel like it could have been a uh, a good franchise. Yeah. And there's some great moments in it too, films. like like the part where they get jump in the fighter jets and uh, drive it out of the uh, village after knocking its wings off and taking out all the bad guys' vehicles. Oh, with, yeah. uh, I actually vaguely vehicles. remember that. I, yeah, I it was a, it was a great scene. I, I yeah. just watched it last year, so like it's it's still pretty fresh in my head. 
Yeah. Um, too, it's too just, bad one great scene or two does not make a great movie. Yeah, it's it definitely, and it has its great soundtrack too because it's got Houdini on it. Well, doesn't like, that, doesn't that, aren't they have like a like the Arab guys like have like a boombox or something? Isn't there like yeah, they're just playing like... the freaks come out at night by Houdini. <laughs> That's right. Okay, now I remember that. Now. And then, then they got uh, Billy Ocean doing the uh, the ending credits thing. Which, well, um, I I threw that in our group chat of just being like, what is the most eighties thing possible? And it's Billy Ocean singing the theme song with Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner, and uh, Danny DeVito dancing and singing back up. Yes. Romance in the stone. <laughs> when the going gets tough, the dove gets going. When the going... Yeah. It's not, it's not even, it's honestly not even that great of a tune, but it's no. like, wow, this is <laughs> peak. Like, also... like you, you get the cocaine residue on that video anywhere and you're going to get <laughs> pulled over by the cops. Yeah, no, I, I, I uh... the context of, uh, you know, I mean, like, I guess, like, the going gets tough, the tough gets going, but she doesn't know she's tough at the beginning of it. It's not yeah, like she's like, it, I'm going to get going. Like, <laughs> there is no like soundtrack like that for this movie either. It's just the Alan yeah. Silvestri uh, score, which, yeah. like I said earlier, was not even supposed to be the finished score. No, it's no, just it's, like, it's, it, and it, all it of that, like <laughs> fake, uh, that, that specific synth sound, the flute, the popping bass, all of that that became just like that is now 80s adventure music embeds is like none of that was meant to be the case <laughs> and it was like let's just let's do it like that that's james what, that's what horner that was like. supposed to do it you know uh respected composer james horner yeah but it, it's just well again but that goes back to what i was saying right that like so this is such a locus of so many things zemeckis doing uh doing back to the future is, is specifically because of this kathleen turner being treated as a serious actress is because of this michael douglas being treated as a serious actor and then going on to do wall street is directly because of this the freaking preponderance of like 80s soundtrack rock is because of this there's so many different things that are because of this one movie <laughs> that's just like a romp yes. it's a romp yes. it's a romp kid what more do you need to know thank you anyway I'm trying to see. He definitely didn't uh, help produce Wall Street, right? Like, uh, you know, I haven't seen that in so long. I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, but, same here. I wanted really, to do that he, for that's, an episode. I wanted to do that for an episode really early on. I, I, I think like if we could do Wall Street and Wolf of Wall Street, Wall Street. yeah, <laughs> look, we were talking about anyway. We could do that, and uh, I don't yeah. know what the other ones of that would be. Movies but, about it's Wall Street Month, kid. There <laughs> we go. We, we a, movies a, about Wall Street. Not that we have a we're all gonna be here. on cocaine. <laughs> you might, you might see we, the money now chat. A, now that we have a sponsor, we're all about money. So it's, yeah. like, it's Wall Street Month. <laughs> uh, like what? A boiler room? I don't know. Like what? 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 What, what, what else would go with that? Like that's two movies. Are, those are great movies to cover. But uh, let me see. Let me look up Wall Street. Right. Movies about corruption. Movie about how money corrupts everything. Oh, that's every movie. Yeah. Uh, know, there will be blood. Trading, I guess. Right? Places. Yeah. Trading places. places Ooh, yeah. with that. There's a, there's a couple rough scenes in uh, Trading Places. I don't know if you've seen that recently, but uh, yeah. And that uh, director ended up killing two children. Uh, on, on the set of uh, the Twilight Zone movie. Well then, okay. Yeah, and the uh, uh, I think the actor also died. Like, like there was decapitations in that because uh, uh, the stunt <laughs> the movie went that badly. Wow. Other uh, people's money, starring Danny DeVito. Oh yeah. As Larry the Liquidator Garfield. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. I don't know why uh, that name was so funny. Just imagine, just imagine Garfield the cat. <laughs> He's sure. gonna liquidate that lasagna, all right. <laughs> it's a cat. He loves lasagna. <laughs> Cat's well, name is Garfield. You know what he doesn't like? Mondays. <laughs> Look, you kid. All right, you think lasagna's people food, but this cat loves it. <laughs> Always trying to get the lasagna. It doesn't even make sense that he hates Mondays. He doesn't have a job. He's a cat. <laughs> Really, it really doesn't make sense. Just, oh. like, what like? What, do you what care? difference? What difference in the days is there for somebody like Garf? Like, there's no yeah. difference in the days. Like, he's just hanging around the house. It's the only kind of empathy he seems to show to the working class, frankly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Letterbox, of course, is a place for film lovers to talk out with and to each other about the films that they love. Me. Maybe the films that they didn't love. Maybe the films that they thirst posted about Danny DeVito for. And of course, all of this is a uh, bottom up democracy. Everyone gets to have their say, Nazis, Siskels, and Eberts of the world. Everyone gets to opine. But it's best, of course, to keep that succinct, keep it short, keep it terse. And that is the substance of this bit, which is the letterbox one liners. These are the letterbox one liners for Romancing the Stone. Crocodile budget must have been through the roof. <laughs> Word. I don't know. That's just there's so many of them. Some of them are animatronic. Apparently, they say like they're mostly real crocodiles. Like, <laughs> what happened today, kid? <laughs> so is she gonna take her cat onto the sea? <laughs> that's uh, that's the Garfield adventure movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Garfield, is, Garfield is her cat. <laughs> They also have to lie, like, you get sick on planes, you get sick on boats, you get sick on, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're listing off all the places right. she can't, all the things she can't travel on because she gets too sick. Yeah. So there must be a miserable first couple months on that boat. Yeah, it seems like maybe they didn't think, that, maybe that's why they're arguing all the time in that second one. Could be. <laughs> Part of the Chekhov's Crocodile Cinematic Universe. I mean, it is true. You you should you can't have a fucking uh, crocodile in the first act unless you intend to use it. Yeah, they're running around, and it's like, all right, it's, it's, someone's gonna get thrown down there, or that thing's <laughs> gonna break, or whatever. Michael Douglas is throwing bales of weed on that campfire, more like romancing the stoner. Haha, ha, I'm here all week, folks. <laughs> <laughs> My yeah, God, like, yeah. like, I mean, th can that you just thing imagine. Just get an eye like that. The contact eye in that, yeah. Oh well, the other thing is like, and like, I mean, I guess the, there's an open part of the plane, but like, if you're if the plane's kind of sealed, like you're getting all of that the entire time you're in there. Like, yeah, like no wonder Kathleen Turner passes out. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, like you have to be like Snoop Dogg to to not <laughs> Willie Nelson combined. Yeah, Willie Nelson's like finally starting to feed the feel this, y'all. Seems like Monday, everybody. <laughs> I would I would watch this movie, but you replaced Michael Douglas with uh with Willie Nelson. With Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Michael Douglas huffs a few kilos of weed and then dances to the Diddy Kong Racing soundtrack. <laughs> 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 
That one got me because I was. Like, yes. <laughs> it, it is like you know. It is the Diddy Kong. The steel drums going. It's all that scene. <laughs> well, look, they're they're in the jungle. There are monkeys in this movie. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. it all tracks. But, but only one and a half stars. I, I don't know. I don't see what? Yeah. Well, maybe take, maybe, take it someone that, maybe it's someone that just kept getting their ass beat in Diddy Kong racing. They're all pissed off. So about like, it. It has like all trauma coming back to them. Took it, took it out <laughs> in the film. Shit was crazy when the dude got his hand bitten off by an alligator. Two and a half stars. What is wrong with these people? Wait, you gotta, more, you gotta read the... Yeah, yeah. More importantly is the tag. Movies where a guy's hand gets bitten off by an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have the tag of uh, Captain Hook as a verb. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, Are we absolutely certain that Kathleen Turner's smile is legal in all 50 states? Aww. It's oh. a sweet one. Yes. Aww. Sweet. I'm not sure about that. Is Danny DeVito hot? I think he might be hot. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. The first tag is, but why? But why? <laughs> I don't know. Couldn't tell you. I love a good adventure film where people are violently ripped apart by crocodiles. <laughs> Listen, kid. That's why. That's why you don't trust crocodiles. You only no, no, kid. That's why you don't pay scale. <laughs> Thank you. Let's make actor Michael Douglas look cool. Producer Michael Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. Those are Letterboxd one-liners for Romance in Stone. Please follow, uh, not Romance in the Stone, follow uh, Movie Night Extravaganza at our Letterboxd HQ account at Movie Night Extra. We're posting up stories of all the various episodes that we do and all the various ephemera that go along with that. You can also uh, follow along with Snappers Forest. At always Flacco, he's romancing the bone. <laughs> Check there. out these snappers, <laughs> and uh, he is logging all the stuff that we cover and uh, things beyond that as well. I am the map Xeroxer, going to Neutron at Kona Neutron, doing all the highbrow stuff, the uh, popular sphere, everything in between. Follow me along for the Criterion Challenge, uh, film school dropouts, uh, all of those various things. I'm actually currently making my way through Eight Hours Don't Make a Day by Fastbender. And uh, it's a, it's very long, but it's very good. I like Fastbender a lot. I, it's weird that Mother Custers is the only movie we've done by Fastbender here. It's the most yeah. like weird pick. I know that was not that was Megan Day, but uh, at Cosmopolitics, Christina is at um Christina on uh, Letterboxd. She's just Frank Reynolds apparently. So if you if you're looking for more, of Frank I'm out Frank- here banging hordes. <laughs> If you're looking for any whore banging in your life, maybe that's uh, but, how he made his money. And before it's always sunny, like you know I would I mean? like, love to he... see. The, have they ever? Have they ever done a romancing the stone? Because they do like those weird homages, or they like allude to something that's like lethal weapon. I mean, the whiz. They did a one full of the cuckoo's nest yeah. uh, moment with him in the end in one of, one of the episodes in the earlier seasons. I think like a hospital scene, and the guys dress up like he's like the son of the guy who played you know the indigenous dude. And I'm like, is that the one full of the cuckoo's nest theme playing? I'm like, I see what they're doing here. They should do like a little tribute to Romance in the Stone and have Kathleen Turner do like a cameo of some sort. Get McElhaney on the phone. I got an idea for a season. At least an episode. It'll be a cameo galore. Change the world. She, um, apparently she quit, the drinking like, the stone. she quit drinking and lost a lot of that weight that she had put on. Like Yeah. Oh, good uh, yeah. Like last year or something. I was reading about it. At right about now, too, Justice for Colton's Boots. 
uh, is watching all the weirdest stuff so you don't have to, or maybe so you can. It is not for me to say one way or the other, but he is doing it either way. And please follow him on Letterboxd to see whatever it is he's Doctor up to. Who I'm up to. Still, seems to. still seems to be Doctor Who. It's, it's, yes. I feel like <laughs> hey, I, I'm in the middle of uh, Invasion of the Dinosaurs, which was like my favorite in preschool. And mm. so I'm like really excited because I don't remember anything about it. I'm just like, wait, wait. Now, now they're dressed like Canadians. What's going on here in space? Why are so, they wearing so much denim in space? So if you're if you're if you're wondering why Letterboxd allows you to log Doctor Who episodes, you can join me on Letterboxd. But uh, Andy's proving it that it's there for someone. Uh, please take us away with plugs, Andy. Why don't you? All right, you're watching this right now on YouTube. So please do those YouTube things: like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell, and watch the video at the end because that gets you that great Conan Neutron song and that allows other movie fans to find our content. No slap bass, unfortunately, or fortunately. Uh, yeah, we need more slap bass. Slap on the bass. If you happen to be watching us over on Twitch, do the Twitch things. Throw us a sub. Um, if you happen to have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe for free. It does not cost you a penny, but it actually helps out the channel greatly. And we, we thank you for considering all that stuff. Um, you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Blue Sky, Threads. Um, did I say Instagram? Yeah, I said Instagram. What am I missing? Twitter. Discord. It's literally, Discord. I don't want to be a, a jerk. It's literally scrolling underneath you, though. Just, I'm just, I'm just, just yes. <laughs> just going to point that out. Oh, God, we're on Reddit? <laughs> we, we, we are on Reddit. Nobody <laughs> no, looks at that it. either, but we're on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't checked Reddit in a while. Um, but yes, we have a Discord, so please join. Um, I guess Twitter, like everybody seems to be back on it but me. So, okay. I don't know. I'm only on it to find like horrible things for my other show because that's where horrible things happen. Okay. But but we have a Discord, and horrible things do not happen in the Discord. <laughs> the Discord's oh, a lot no, of fun. Your, your, uh, other, show, your other show is where horrible things happening. Party. Since, since I since I left uh, since I left the the show, you know, horrible things have been happening. Yeah, that's no, why, I was watching Alex why, Jones today for that other show, but that, that's uh, here or there. Everyone's everyone's got to keep me around, or else horrible things happen. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, please join our Discord. We got a link in the uh, description wherever you're watching this. That's um, actually enjoyable. Maybe Forrest will yeah. join someday. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, I was, gonna I was have, fun. we're gonna have our first uh, watch party in Sunday, the Discord right? this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. We're gonna watch Oppenheimer. We're gonna slowly go through some of the Oscar-nominated films. So but will it have uh, the casino ads like uh, no one intended? <laughs> Whether I pop yeah. up and, and, and sitting in front of your PC. Hanging out with a bunch of other folks, chatting whether through the I, whole Whether thing. I pop out to that or not um, fully depends on how much of uh, Lawrence of Arabia I get through tomorrow <laughs> and then how much I have to get through on Sunday. Yeah, it also probably depends on how much you're rage tweeting that day, too. But uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, you know what? That's Sunday. I'll try, I'll join you for that. I hate looking at stuff on the computer. Ironically, I, th I think but... I'll probably join as well. I, I think yeah. I got a draw anyway, so. Yeah, We're, we already did Oppenheimer, so we don't really need to do it. But it'd be interesting to not see. I don't it know how you. I don't know how you guys think you're going to get through four hours of Lawrence of Arabia and then pop into that for another three hours of movie. That's that's a lot. Yeah, I got, I got, I can do. I'm it two hours now. deep on an eight hour movie right now, my guy. Like it's it's going to be fine now that I have yeah, you ever watched I, Doctor I Who, man? Off. I'm good. <laughs> like I'm, like I'm this this Doctor. doesn't end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, join the Discord. Is is, is the point? If if you're already a patron, you have a link to that and i don't know we seem to give it out indeterminately sometimes which probably will bite us in the ass at some point but uh it's fun it's, it's there's a lot going on there again 
Christina's uh, Clint Eastwood take would be perfectly at home in the cinematic, unpopular cinematic. Audience. I'm gonna post it right now. There you go. There you go. Yeah, go for Clint it. Eastwood sucks. <laughs> and, and of course, we do have a uh, Patreon, as as uh, Conan was just alluding to. That's right. Um, which. Uh, uh, if you uh, subscribe to that, uh, you get to have uh, access to our all of our after parties, not just whenever we're alive. So that can be exciting. Uh, find all the incredibly insane stuff not suitable for regular Twitter, uh, you know, regular YouTube. <laughs> it's definitely suitable for regular Twitter. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. <laughs> it, it's 100% suitable for Twitter. Although now with 20% less asking people to off themselves. So Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, no, no Nazism in, in the uh, in the after parties. Well, it depends on the after party. Unless that's what you're into, in which case, there's plenty of it. Join up. Yes, give us money. <laughs> what do you want? That's what we got. That's that's the only thing that is there is what you want. Yes, none of the stuff you don't like. You uh, you know, you know that you know that scene where it's like Hitler finds out X, like you know, like oh, well, from downfall. From, yeah, where, yeah, where it's, yeah, it's like, so, it, which is in German, and they have the subtitles be like, yeah. yeah. So it's like we regret to inform you, sir, you gave five dollars to the movie night extravaganza Patreon, but there's no, <laughs> there was no Nazism on the after party, and he's like, what? <laughs> like, what did they? Yeah. But they said if I'm into it, they would do it, and then he's like, <laughs> nine, 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 nine. <laughs> That's a. Uh, I saw Downfall twice at the theater. I played it at the Parkway. Uh, and then, like, that was way well before those memes. So I knew it really well. Uh, and one time I was just like, all right, what's the point of the movies? Uh, okay, Downfall, sure, I'll see that again. Because Bruno Gauss is really good in it. And and yeah. then when those memes came out, I'm like, oh, there's it's like there's memes about Downfall? Because it was, like, pretty <laughs> obscure. It was not a popular movie. Oh. <laughs> but anyway. It, it is a great conceit, though. Hitler finds out X. And oh, it's, then it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can take that. Deeply hilarious. I'm, I'm all into it. I just was shocked. I was like, that seems pretty oblique for uh for mimi but okay yeah go for it though yeah. <laughs> uh, of course conan you've been uh sitting there fronting protonic reversal this whole time yes or... i have uh absolutely and so by fronting i mean standing in front of it <laughs> i'm literally standing in front of, of the uh of the marquee yeah uh latest episode zach blair of hagfish and uh rise against and guar and that was a great episode. So if you're, this is an amazing Guar story that like, uh, you just need, needs to be needs to be heard. So um, still uh, advance access one dollar a month patreon.com slash protonic reversal. Going to the general feed shortly after that. I have two really awesome things, and I can't talk about either one of them unfortunately uh, for protonic, but uh, they're, they're coming up, and it's gonna be freaking awesome but that steve bartek episode with that from ongo blango has been very popular there's gonna be a second part to that coming up also oh, exciting exciting and, and of course um if you want to get uh, more conan's music go to neutron friends get his new one adult prom which is uh fucking slaps thank you yes i agree and if you're in los angeles or san francisco uh march 4th and 5th we're playing mccleskey at the Echoplex in LA and the rickshaw stop in San Francisco. And that's the twice rescheduled show for that. Uh, there's a couple other shows that are going to be happening there as well, but I can't talk about those just yet. Uh, but really, really stoked for that. Anyone that saw them play uh, the shows that they did complete before they had to postpone their tour will tell you that that was a hell of a tour and good time. So yeah, come out to that. Sounds like fun. And, and uh, of course, Catterwall. Uh, we got Catterwall. 
yes. <laughs> uh, we're doing a big announce on Monday for uh, the lineup. And then we're going to be doing uh, single day tickets for that as well. But uh, yeah, this is more or less what's going to look like, which is pretty cool. So lots of bands, good times. Um, Catawall.org. If you're in Minneapolis or any remotely close, come see it. We got Brainiac. Gay Witch so, Abortion. Gay nice. Witch Abortion, yes. Which is my favorite shirt to, to wear uh, in random places on tour because people like look at it and they're like ready to get mad, but they don't know what to get mad about. So, <laughs> 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 like, it's so confusing. They look like, really confused and then you walk away. It's great. That sounds like fun. <laughs> I love doing I'll be that. I'll be back when you figure out what you're mad about. Yeah, yeah. I'll just I, I gotta go. Like I, we're this is a gas stop for us. So <laughs> if you can figure it out quickly, come get mad at me up by the pump. Thank you. And yes, Scatterwall. Yes, Scatterwall. And I think uh, I think we just ran through everything of yours, which gives us brings us to Christina, who's over on Twitch. I think you're on yep. Twitch right now. I uh, got this, something this, uh, big planned tomorrow. Soloing when when people. Yeah, I am them. doing. The Hot Ones Challenge for every 10 gifted subscribers I receive, I go up a Scoville level. So I got 10 wings to go through, 10 sauces, and I can tell which ones I'm probably going to keep and which ones I'll just give away after this because I know what I like. I know what I like, and there's just fruity things that I don't like in my spicy foods. Just, no. You're telling me these youths are eating these sauces? How do you feel about mango? Like mango spice? Because I I love like mango habanero. That shit is that shit slaps. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah, good I balance. Just, I just send you yeah. uh, 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 ginger go tropic star. Then when I'm done with this, I want to try the bomb. Send, send, send me send me send me the bomb. The bomb. There, the there is something that's spicier than the bomb though. Like it, it's like well, over all right. So the thing about the thing about the bomb isn't that it's spicy. It's that there's no redeeming quality about like it's a chemical <laughs> tasting thing because you can have something it's that's a way spicier burn. than the bomb, but but it's like 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 apparently at least from what I've seen on the the hot ones thing, the reason that it's so bad is that there's no like it's just overwhelming. There's no like redeeming like oh there's like a flavor to it or something. It's just yeah. a very extremely hot sauce. Yeah, <laughs> natural pepper heat. That's yeah, tune into that tomorrow. Yeah. And, and so hopefully you'll be recovered in time for Sunday to, to, to show the movie. Yeah, I'll be fine. She's she's gonna be she's gonna be Pukenheimer. <laughs> no, I, I I'm prepared. I, I got my uh I got my ice cream, I got my milk. I mean watching Cardi B and the band in sync go through the same one that I did, I'm like, I think I'll be good up until like the sixth one. Yeah, that should right. be fine. Well, they'll have to tune in to find out, won't they? Yes. Yeah, and that can be found at Cosmopolitics over on Twitch. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you also have a uh, Patreon as well to help uh, support your channel. Yep. It's uh, patreon.com slash Cosmopolitics. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm, I just can't wait to see what I look like after I'm done with everything. <laughs> Yeah, three point eight hours for Lawrence of Arabia, huh? Okay. Hmm? Fair enough. Gonna yeah. be fun. <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia is three hours and forty seven minutes or something. It's whatever happened to having a movie under two hours? Remember that? Well, Lawrence of Arabia tonight. 
to be fair, to be fair, Lawrence Arabia is a movie from like the early '60s. Like it's an yeah. old, it's an old ass. You know, movie. when those old movies were that long, they actually are worth watching. Uh, I just watched. Uh, I think it has an intermission uh, too. Have you ever heard of this Birth of a Nation movie? No, okay. <laughs> I, I just watched. That's uh, a good idea. Listen, listen, kid. It's a nation. It's a nation. It's being birthed. It's being birthed, kid. You'll <laughs> never believe it. What you see, it's a spectacle. Look, people talk a lot about this Ku Klux Klan, but what does they really stand for? Griffin says they misunderstood for some reason. I don't know. Somebody greenlit the picture. It wasn't me. It was before my time. <laughs> I just watched the uh, seventh Fast the White House movie, and like that did not need to be that long. Uh, I don't know why it was that long, but it was over three hours long. And it's like, no, this should be an hour and a half. I really um, love the uh, the Roger Ebert um, uh, review of uh lawrence of arabia and he's writing like uh he's writing you'd think a movie this long it would be because you know there's these huge action battle scenes but in lawrence of arabia it's actually because they have a guy coming at you uh from the horizon and you watch him go all the way there over and over again <laughs> yeah, yeah so that's that's a little sneak preview of our episode on tuesday with uh episode 200 yeah yep. With Gene Bajalon, who has not been on in a very long time. Dune, I think, which I think is hilarious if that's the last time he was on. Well, he's on he's on for he's on for Dune. He's on for Dune, and then like Dune is like, you know, pretty pretty like a, yeah, a we only have on for called... desert movies, apparently. Yes. Did, did, yeah. uh, did, did you guys see the, the 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 bucket, the popcorn bucket for Dune too? Yes. You mean the flashlight? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I would not want to sit next to someone who put extra butter in that thing. I'm just saying what? Yeah, I was gonna say, what? I think what? I think that was in a Cronenberg movie. <laughs> I Saw mean, look, you're, you're, you're going to see some hot takes, uh, you know, getting a little horny about the worm, I'm sure. That's, uh... <laughs> Listen, kid, it's a sandworm. <laughs> love is love, kid, whatever. <laughs> Do as thou wilt, shall no, be the I whole imagine, of the law. I imagine, uh, you know, conservative used to be like, what, you, you legalize gay marriage, what next? You legalize, you know, fucking dogs? But it's like, what, you legalize gay marriage, what next? Someone can get, someone can have sex with a, with a shandworm? They made popcorn sexy. <laughs> it's a gaping ma. What's next, Andy? I think we've hit all the plugs. All right. Well, we have one other thing that we need to plug then. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by Yebiga, a Balkan Rakia spirit plum brandy that brings Serbia to the American shores in an authentic and appreciative way. Care of Billy Gould, basis for faith no more, and Rakia appreciator. Rakia is a traditional spirit enjoyed at weddings, funerals, and life events. However, more and more, it's being enjoyed everywhere on a night out with friends or as a casual drink. Get a bottle today in liquor stores and bars across America. Go to yabiga.com to see where it's available near you. Right after all the sandworm jokes. <laughs> right after, exactly. Wonderfully placed after the fleshlight. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Christina, you got some final thoughts? What a show. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I love this movie. I think it's a really good uh, event to film overall. It's really against type for uh, Kathleen Turner making her do other films like, you know, Peggy Sue Got Married, uh, you know, Friends. Um, this really kind of put Michael Douglas on the market as an actor who could do movies. Uh, Danny Vito fucking kills it, crushes it every time. I highly recommend it, and it's not a ripoff of any other adventure film like Indiana Jones. So get that out of your head. There you go. All right. Andy, you got some final thoughts. I uh, 
thoroughly enjoy this movie. I love the fact that like this was always like if it's on, you just you know sit down and watch it. And, and uh, it's so weird to actually sit down and watch from beginning to end. <laughs> um, it really is. But uh, it's 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 a new world, people. It's it's not like it used to be. Uh, but but I do love the fact. Um, I actually did watch this uh, last year, um, and it was uh, you know great to kind of. Uh, sit down and, and, and see it again uh, last year. And it's great to, to just watch it even again, because like, it's just, it's fun and it's, it's so breezy and, and it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, bog down and uh, you know, uh, slow down at all. It's just a perfectly paced film big from beginning to end. That's just thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah. A fun time of the movies. Conan final Indeed. thought. That, that could just be the summation right there. Uh, yeah, it's a watchable, enjoyable, adventure-style chase picture, you know, and it's uh, it works great because there's great chemistry between the leads, which we've spoken at length for where they were in their careers and everything that launched off from this. But this is a very sharp and funny script, and it does borrow from, from some stuff, but it is executed well. You got madcap antics, you got car chases, gunfights, and action, and it manages to be... Romantic and exciting, and a more the convincing adventure romp. So it, I would say is a sweaty and low-key sexy time. <laughs> Listen, kid. <laughs> it's no Dune Fleshlight, <laughs> but it does all right. Hey, is this uh, is this new is this new Dune called Dune Your Fleshlight? I think so. I wonder if, if people you know if we're mentioning this and people actually haven't seen the. I put it in chat, by the way. Uh, oh, did like, you really? Okay. Yeah, um, it was it was a few days ago. Oh, I thought you meant tonight. Okay. I don't... No, no. You'll never be able to unsee Dune Two's popcorn bucket. Okay. Dune, <laughs> Dune, Dune, Dune 2's... Wow, that is a really hard sentence to say. Dune Two, Dune your worm. Uh, I'm this is this is this is worth holding up the show, I think, for folks that haven't seen it. So, all right, here it is. There it is, folks. <laughs> and this is not TOS, by the way. This is not TOS in any way, shape, or form. It's just popcorn, people. Don't get so excited. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have these on the movie next <laughs> Abigail's website on the merch site. <laughs> Strangely enough, it's in the adult area. I don't know. <laughs> yes, brought to you by Adam and Eve. <laughs> so there we go. That, that's what all that uh, riffing on, uh, on, on that is. If, if you weren't already familiar, if you... If you are, I'm, I'm sorry to, you can go cleanse your eyes sockets out. I don't know. Yeah, it's a little too close up for me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm, getting, I'm getting too turned on. <laughs>